Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we save the second half of the show to take your live questions. However, we often don't have enough time to get through all the live questions that you guys sent in. But I want to make sure if you sent in those questions and you supported the channel, I want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too long to hear those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. Now, today, I'm pretty excited. You guys know because I had Ray on the other day, too. I've been really looking for some people to help me uh, with doing the companion videos just to, you know, read off questions, help me out so I don't have to use up my voice so much. And I put out a call for help. And thankfully, thankfully, Kimberly Curran reached out and said, I can do that for you, John. Yay. And so Kimberly's here today. Kimberly, thank you so much for being here. Hi, How guys. are you doing? I'm great. I'm doing awesome. It awesome, is awesome. so good to have you here. And I'm so glad you're helping me out today. This is this is going to help me out a lot. It's so, amazing to be here. And it's amazing to have you. So, guys, Yay. here's how it's going to go. We're just going to get to the questions that you guys have sent in. And remember, if you guys want to send in a question for the John Campia show to see it on the next show, you can use the tip link that's in the description of this video. You can just go click on it anytime or enter it in manually simply at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show, if it's reasonable, of course. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us involved here with The John Campia Show, thank you guys very, very much for your support. Okay, with that down, Kimberly, what is our first question we're starting with today? Awesome. Okay, so our first question comes from Casey McNatt, and she said, also with Pedro Pascal being cast as Joel, what do you think this means for his role in Mandalorian? Do you think he will still keep the role and do both shows, or do you think they might end the show in the next one to three seasons? All right, thanks for writing that in. Of course, one of the big pieces of news that came out the other day was that we got Pedro Pascal, who I just love this dude. He is now going to be Joel in The Last of Us. Very exciting. And also Lady Mormont is going to be in there as well. The baddest ass little girl in all of Game of Thrones. She's going to be in there as well playing Ellie. So uh, here's the thing. The reality is this. As great as Pedro Pascal is on The Mandalorian, he's not actually on set too terribly much. As a matter of fact, in season one, he was rarely on set. He just has to go into the sound booth, record all the dialogue. Sometimes he's on set and sometimes that's him in the costume, but he has two other stump doubles, one who's an expert in gunslinging, one who's an expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and they do a lot of the acting in the suit. Now, Pedro did do a little bit more acting this season than he did in the first season, but honestly, mm. it's not going to interfere very much. They shoot it for a couple of months. He has plenty of time to do something else as well. So I expect this isn't going to change anything at all. All right. What's our next question? Awesome. All right. This comes from Ardent Defender. My WandaVision theory. Oh, I love the theories. My WandaVision theory. It's all a living dreamscape nightmare. Wanda is experiencing with one of the Hell Lords and him of the dream nightmare dimension, Nightmare. Behind it, along with Agnes, Nightmare is a frightening, powerful entity of Doctor Strange world and is reeling from fears and traumas of all people since the blip. Nightmare is the perfect Hell Lord's vision to feed on a world of dream nightmare energy. Your subconscious is always open to suggestions. It's Wanda's nightmare and him and Agnes in it. All right, listen. A lot of people have been having theories about who this other player... You guys know what I think. At first, I thought Wanda was totally in control of everything. Then, episode four ends 
with uh, Monica saying, it's all Wanda. And I'm like, no way. You're saying that way too early in the show. Clearly, my theory about it being all Wanda is wrong. So now what I believe is that it's mostly Wanda, but there's some other player involved. Different people have different theories. A lot of people saying Mephisto, some people saying Nightmare, some people saying Dormammu, some people saying Dr. Doom for whatever reason. But there is some other player. I am not convinced that it is either Mephisto or Nightmare. But after this last episode, particularly with the commercial in the last episode of Feed on Yo Magic, that commercial, listen, I still don't think it's Nightmare, but if I had to choose that it's either Mephisto or Nightmare right now, I am probably leaning towards Nightmare. Like, I believe Nightmare is more feasible now after episode six than I did before. Still don't buy into it entirely, but you do lay out a really good case there. And the reality is I'm I'm starting to think it. But here's the problem. There's three episodes left. And they still, if there is another significant villain behind the scenes that we've never met before... What kind of movie doesn't even introduce you to the bad guy until the last 20 minutes of the film? So I, I don't know, but I'm telling you the idea of Nightmare is growing on me a little bit more. All right. What's next? All right. This is from Suthis. Suthius. 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 Sorry, Suthius. I like that name. Hey, guys, I'm a little sad, but also understand of why Karana was let go. Such a shame. She was a great addition to The Mandalorian. I hope she'll be able to find other work in the future. Now, one has to wonder if that character will be recast. I mean, I, you guys know I'm a fan of Gina Carano as well. Uh, uh, unfortunately, why, uh, while I myself probably wouldn't have fired her, like if I was the CEO of Disney, the reality is she was given warning after warning after warning and chance after chance at the chance. And she chose to continue to break the rules that uh, 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 Walt Disney was setting. And I get why they fired her. I do. So, but here's the thing. I don't think they're going to recast. And I kind of explained this why on the show the other day, when you look at, at, at a previous situation that happened just a couple of years ago, when they fired James Gunn, they fired James Gunn without any warnings, unlike Gina Carano. They gave her plenty of warnings. James Gunn, no warnings for something that happened seven or 10 years in the past, as opposed to what was going on right now. And they just fired him immediately. But what happened? They continued a dialogue behind the scenes. And a year later, they brought him back on. Now, I am not saying that Disney will rehire Gina Carano. But what I am saying is Disney clearly is open to the idea of reconciling, you know, having to let certain people go at times and then maybe open the door to bring them back. If you recast the Cara Dune character in Mandalorian, that shuts the door. You can never bring Gina Carano back then. If you just say that, yeah, Gina Carano, Cara Dune is off on some part of the galaxy doing New Republic things, then it doesn't mean they'll bring her back, but it at least leaves the door open that they can if they choose to. So I'm believing, I don't know, I don't know, but I am believing right now that they're not going to recast and they're going to try to keep that door open at least a little bit. So we'll see where those things go from there. All right, what's next? All right, this is from Milton. I have a theory about WandaVision. You and me. No, and really? Somebody with a theory about WandaVision? Really? <laughs> All of us, man. Keep this up at night. It literally keeps me up at night. Um, I have a theory about WandaVision. I think the missing person is Vision since he was taken from the sword facilities and someone added a fake witness protection and filed a missing report within the FBI database. Your thoughts? I like the way you're thinking, Milton, but absolutely not. They made a, It may seem pretty clear that this was, listen, 
in the, I believe it was episode four when we meet Jimmy Woo, AKA Asian Jim from the office. I love Randall Park. The way he talked about it, it seemed like this was somebody in witness protection that he was familiar with. Not only that, but he had called their known contacts. People, the implication was that Jimmy knew that they know the missing person and all of a sudden they don't know who it is, right? So for all that, I don't think it's vision. On top of all that, I honestly don't think, did you notice they've never even mentioned the missing witness protection person again? I don't think they will. I honestly think it's a completely inconsequential thing. I think the missing witness protection person was simply a plot device to explain why the FBI became aware of Westview in the first place, which then became why S.W.O.R.D. became aware of it. It was simply a plot device, and I don't think they're going to use it again. So anything's possible, but I don't think that Vision is the missing witness protection person. So that's just my guess right now. All right. What's next? All right. Actor friend 90 says, my theory, Michael Douglas slash Hank Pym, legendary actor for Paul, Luke Skywalker moment for Elizabeth, maybe the engineer that Monica contacted. Okay, so hmm. here's the thing. A lot of us have been wondering ever since in episode five, Monica, when they, she was talking about, okay, we need to build this vehicle that's got this substance in it, this substance in it, this substance in it, and then I should be able to go into the field and not be affected. And she goes... I know an aerospace engineer, right? That was the first drop of, I know an aerospace engineer. So we're like, who is she talking about? Some people, oh, it's Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Some people think it's Hank McCoy, beast of the X-Men. Some people saying it's going to be Forge. Forge is going to come in and do that, right? Some people saying, yeah. uh, um, uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Selvig, Dr. Selvig. Dallas, yeah. Dr. Selvig. So we see Dr. Selvig. The problem, of course, with Dr. Selvig is that he is an astrophysicist, which is a very, very different thing from an aerospace engineer. So I don't know if there'll be that. So a lot of us have been like, who is this going to be? And, and let me ask you, let me ask you this, Kimberly. Do yeah. you have it? Because I know you watch WandaVision. Oh my gosh. So do you have a theory? And and by the way, the last episode ends with Monica saying, All right. Got to meet my guy. Got to meet my guy. Got to meet my guy. They're driving over the hill to see him. Who do you think they're going to see? Do you have a theory? I on honestly, that yet? I feel so strongly that this is going to be opening the floodgates to Fantastic Four. I have the strongest feeling about that because if you think about it, the way um, the first, you know, you know, legendary time of Marvel with the Infinity Stone saga, they introduced things pretty quickly. Yes, at the end and like the the end of the scene, but we didn't have Disney Plus. We didn't have shows to help be a companion to right. these films, and so I think they're taking advantage of. Guess what I can do with a Disney Plus show, guys? You'll never freaking guess, and it has to be one of those I. Never would have guessed this moment, which, of course, we have all been guessing all the moments, but I really think it's going to open the door to Fantastic Four. I do. Okay, so yeah. there is no denying that if Monica and Jimmy show up to a place and there's a car sitting there and Monica and Jimmy get out of the car, it's still dark. There's a yep. little bit of mist on the ground. Camera close shot of the car door opening up. All you see is a couple of feet get out. The camera pans up and it's John Krasinski as Reed Richards. The world explodes, My mind right? will freaking explode. Okay, there's no denying that would be a Luke Skywalker showing up in oh, Mandalorian yeah. kind of moment. Oh, but yeah. I don't think that's going to be it. Because I don't think they're going to bring Fantastic Four in yet. 
You know, you know, Kevin Feige did just announce the Fantastic Four movie. It's going to yeah. come in two years, directed yeah, by John Watt. Yeah, we're a little Watt. eager. So, but I had no idea. And then another viewer wrote in the other day with a theory that I had never considered, but it totally equals what it is they're they're needing. They need somebody who can build this fantastical machine that should be able to make them go in and out. Mm -hmm. It's clearly going to be somebody we know because the way they've been teasing it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, a it's a friend. It's so a friend. So who can do it? Somebody wrote in an option that I had never thought about. Rocket Raccoon. Rocket can build that shit. You're Rocket so can build right. that thing. And we're going into Guardians 3. And we got Guardians ah, 3 coming. Now, again, you're so I'm, right. You're I'm so not right. Saying, I'm not Our friendly furry friend, man. I, right? And oh, what do you need? All you need is um, Bradley Cooper to, to go over to Di the Disney lot for two hours, record some dialogue. Yeah. You get uh, James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, mm -hmm. who does the motion capture, for, show up for a couple days, do a little yeah. bit of things. Say, all right, I'll build this for you, right? And don't forget, we need someone's eye. And of course, we need you got somebody's to, oh, eye. Oh, I'm getting somebody's eye. eye. Well, we're, we're going to get that eye. <laughs> so. I mean, again, I'm not saying it's going to be Rocket, but I mean, to me, that is the best theory I've heard so far. But I if it is that. John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, it will blow the Internet apart. Totally blow it apart. I don't hold anything in my hands and I don't drink when I watch WandaVision because I fear that I will break my television. <laughs> if I see John Krasinski, something's going to cross the room and it's going to break my TV. But by the way, Actor Friend brings up another name that I, I like, actually. Hank Pym. Hank Pym makes sense too, right? He's already in the universe. A He's a character all. we know. Mm -hmm. um, now, how Monica would know him, she's been gone for five years, but maybe she knew him prior to the dusting, and that's possible. So, Hank Pym's a good option. I mean, and he Reed likes Richards, to help. He likes, he to, likes help. to help. As long as it's not Tony Stark, he likes to help. Yeah. Um, I, I do like, I mean, obviously it would be huge if it's, if it's Reed Richards, but I also like the rocket raccoon watch. It's going to be none of them, but still, I like these theories. Yeah. Okay. What is next? All right. This is coming from war doctor 10. Hi, John and Rob love the show. I honestly didn't think the Luke Skywalker level cameo would be Ian McKellen because Paul Bettany has said it's someone he's always wanted to work with. And that rules out Sir Ian because they work together in the Da Vinci code. There's a couple of things you have to keep in mind about that though they barely woke together work together in the da vinci code so there's that but here's the other big thing that everybody keeps forgetting nobody said that the person elizabeth olsen was talking about was going to be the same person that paul bettany was talking about they weren't sitting together giving an interview and said that both both those things at the same time some of this is going to be like a luke skywalker lever cameo Paul saying, hey, I got to work with somebody in the show that I've always wanted to work with. For all we know, he could be talking about Catherine Hahn. I don't think Paul Bettany and Catherine Hahn have ever worked together before. He could be talking about her. But regardless, it's just important to understand that maybe the person Elizabeth Olsen is talking about and maybe the person that Paul Bettany is talking about are one and the same, but there's nothing saying that they are. And even if they are, he barely worked with Ian McKellen in that. So I, I don't know. I still think... That what Paul Bettany said doesn't doesn't necessarily limit anything. I still think the limits are wide open right now. So that's what I think right now. Hmm. All right. What's next? All right. This comes from the Wakandan forever. I remember when I was just a little chubby plumber's son in Austin, Texas, wanting to be the American dream. I've oh, wined and dined is. with kings and queens and slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. <laughs> Who is your favorite wrestler on the mic? Or promo. Okay, that was obviously the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, uh, R.I.P. 
Um, favorite? Well, I mean, you got to go one of two ways. The best, the two best wrestlers to me of all time, because I used to watch a lot of wrestling when I was younger. The two best wrestlers of all time, when in terms of mic skills, there are two. There's the rowdy one, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. I mean, that dude was awesome on the mic. He was so, it got him a movie career. He was so good on the mic. And then the other one, I mean, it sounds stereotypical, but it's true. There's been nobody better than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, you know, whether he's talking about strudel or pie or the SmackDown (laughs) hotel or whatever. I mean, he can, when he starts ripping on the mic, he's a, a force of nature. So, yeah, I would say my two favorite all-time wrestlers in terms of just pure mic skills, Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That's mine. All right. What's next? All righty. Michael Bradley says, hello, John. How someone who is getting opportunities that other actors would give just anything to have then throws it away to be a martyr. I just don't get it. Well, I assume we're talking about Gina Carano there. And, and yeah, I... Look, there's just a simple thing. When when you have the privilege of having an opportunity that a lot of actors in the world would kill for, people who are much more talented than you are. Listen, I've always been a fan of Gina Carano. You guys know, if you followed me for any period of time, you know I really like Gina Carano, but she's not exactly Shakespeare. She's not exactly the greatest thespian in the world. Uh, but her work as Cara Dune has been the best she's ever done. But you'd think having that type of opportunity... When your employer who is giving you that opportunity says to you, hey, we need you to stop doing this, you would think you would go, okay, cool. I like this job. I like this gig. I want to keep doing this, so I will stop doing that. Uh, It's a little bit indescribable why she wouldn't. Uh, Everybody, I mean, look, we've talked about this before. In the NBA, there are things you can wear and things you can't wear. In the NHL, when you're doing post-games conferences, you cannot criticize the officials. Everybody else in the world can. Everybody else in the world is allowed to. Free speech. Everybody can complain about the officials all you want. But the NHL says, if you want the privilege of living out your dream and playing in our league, then you're going to follow these rules. And if you don't want to follow those rules, you can go play in Russia. You can go play somewhere else. And so while everybody else in the world can say whatever they want, if you're in the NHL, you can't criticize the officials. That's a rule. And you accept that rule when you take the job. You By taking the job, you accept the rule. And so I, again, I don't know that I would have fired Gina Carano, but I don't feel sorry for her. She was given three different warnings on three different occasions. Um, and then she just decided to keep bringing controversy to Disney's door. And I'm sorry, but any, by the way, you know, uh, the only job, I didn't have a lot of jobs as a kid. Like I I basically worked road construction because that was my family's business and everything. But um, the one job, one of my first jobs when I was still in high school, it was a retail job. And, and it was like for like, a, you know, were cool, you the Abercrombie guy? No, no. <laughs> it was like cool gadgets, like cool models and a cool remote control. That's like cool gadget kind of thing. Oh, right? nice. Now, this was the time it was just after actually it was just after high school. This is back in the time when I had like hair down to here. This was like in my band playing days <laughs> and I had long hair and all kind of stuff. And it took me years to grow that hair. I can. It and must have seemed a lot like Wayne's World. It was a little bit you. like that. Yes. <laughs> so. I went in and interviewed for this job because I needed the job. And they said, okay, great. We, we think, you know, you'll work out great. Side note, 
you know, we have an image here in the store. We believe in a certain image in the store. Yeah. And if you want the job, you're going to have to get a haircut. That was my choice. You could have walked out. I could have walked out. It was my choice. I could mm-hmm. say, you know what? I would prefer my hair over the, what was I getting at the time? $7 an hour. I prefer my hair over the $7 an hour. And it yeah. was my choice to say, well, I can either agree yeah. to that or I can go look for a job somewhere else. Yeah. I agreed to it. So I can't complain that I had to get my hair cut. It was my choice. Yeah. They gave me the choice. I decided to cut my hair. I have regretted that decision for a long time because I can't grow my hair out again. I mean, I, I have way too many licks <laughs> that and was my curls. One just can't do it again. But uh, yeah, I just, I just don't. Under, I do not understand her frame of mind. I simply do not. But anyway, that's just me. All right, what's next? All right, the Wakandan Forever says. All right, I'm gonna have to add a little something to this. <laughs> I'm just a sexy boy. Oh, here we go, Sean Michaels. I'm not your boy toy. I know I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I got the looks that drive the girls wild. They see me walk. They see me talk. I feel like I'm on cloud. Probably meant nine. Nine, <laughs> not none. The Heartbreak Kid. What is your favorite wrestling song? Ooh, favorite wrestling song. All right. Um... One, not necessarily my all-time favorite wrestlers. I do, although I do, I did like both of these guys very much, and they're both still wrestling. One is Randy Orton, uh, the voices they speak to me. Um, I really do like that song. That's a really, really good yeah. song. Um, also, what was the name of the guy? Oh, I'm forgetting his name, but he was called like the glorious, like glorious. I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious and had the big choir. Can't even remember that, but it was a great song. Don't even remember who the wrestler was, but I remember the song. But I think my favorite wrestling song uh, with is the weirdest name for a song. It's called Metal Lingus. Uh, <laughs> and it was it's the song by good Canadian kid, The Edge, you know, Da, 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 just to know that I'm alive. That song is awesome. That song is awesome. Whenever, whenever I hear that, you think you know me. When that's the way his song opens with that girl's voice, you think you know me. And then the, pff, the drums come in. It's like I, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of rock out to that song. I love. Now it is a weird name title for it. Metalingus. Yes, odd, <laughs> odd title, but. It is a great song. Don't laugh. Oh it's my! It's a great song. Oh my! It's oh and my. it's a title. Hey, say what you will about the title. You will never forget the name of the title. Now. No, that will I never will not. leave your brain. I will not. So say that for it. Okay. What's next? All right. Also coming from the Wakandan forever. John, name these wrestlers. Woo! To be the man. That's the Nature Boy. You gotta beat the man. That's the Nature Boy. Rest in peace. That's Undertaker. Awesome. That's if you uh, smell what the rock is. Awesome cooking. is uh, um, uh, awesome. Uh, what's his name? Um, he's got his own reality show with his wife right now. Uh, the Miz. Oh uh, yeah, The Miz. That's The Miz. Okay, I'm sorry. Please. No, continue. no. Please educate me. If you smell what the rock is cooking, that one's easy. There we go. Bow down to the queen. It's that boss is time. Um, bow down to the queen is uh, is uh, 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 Nature Boy's daughter, and I forget her first name, but it's the Nature Boy's daughter. Okay. Nice. It's boss time. That is from Mandalorian. That is Sasha Banks. All right. One final one for the Canadians. Uh, oh, that's not a saying. It's the next one is the saying. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Of course, by the great Canadian, Brett the Hitman Hart, who is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. The excellence of execution, 
Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, of course, all the greatest wrestlers are Canadian. Everybody knows that. All right. What's next? <laughs> all righty. This is from War Doctor 10. Hi, John and Rob. I just did a rewatch of the Hobbit trilogy. I've come, I've come to the conclusion that it's seriously underappreciated. This trilogy is nowhere near as bad as people make it out to be. What are your thoughts? Okay. So here's my thought. I'm, all, I'm often conflicted about the Hobbit trilogy. The Hobbit trilogy is good. All right. But here's the big problem. If you just rewatched it, you had the advantage because you could sit down, watch it, then immediately watch the next one, then immediately watch the next one. With The Lord of the Rings, you had three books in Lord of the Rings and they made one movie for each book. In The Hobbit, they had one book that was smaller than any of the books in The Lord of the Rings. It's a very short book. And they stretched it into three movies. So there was a lot of filler. And the other big problem is this, is that when you get to the third movie, it's all payoff without any setup. So you get this big battle. I've talked about this before between Thor and Oak and Shield and the White Orc, right? The problem is as a movie audience, we haven't even seen Thor and Oak and Shield and the White Orc together in a scene for two years. And so there was literally no setup. Like the whole third movie is just payoff, payoff, payoff. And that just became a little bit exhausting. I'm sure if I could sit down and watch all three back to back, it would feel like a different experience. Generally speaking, I agree with you. I think the Hobbit movies are good. I think they're good. I enjoy them. I like them. They do take me and whisk me away to the Shire again. And I'll always appreciate that. They are vastly inferior to the Lord of the Rings films, but I like them. They're not nearly as bad as a lot of people make them out to be. But again, it was an issue of balance. They should have, their original plan was to make it two movies. They should have stuck to that. And then they should have balanced setup, payoff, setup, payoff, setup, payoff. And, and unfortunately, it was just really disbalanced that way. So that's kind of my take on it. All right. What's next? All right. This is from Tristan Larison. Gina had this coming. She deserved to get fired for her hateful and dangerous speech. People defending her clearly don't know what freedom of speech actually means. Love you, John. I think the, the main thing to keep understand here is, was she wasn't actually fired for any one particular thing she said. She was fired for engaging in a certain type of behavior online that was causing controversy that it's, it's not fair, but when you work for a company like Disney, when you stir up controversy around you, that gets dumped on Disney's door. That gets dumped on, if you're a, high, if you're, if you're a New York Nick, and you stir up a big bunch of controversy, it and the New York Knicks got to deal with it. I mean, that's not fair. That's not the way it should be, but it's the way it is. She wasn't necessarily fired for any of the things she said, particularly any one thing she said. The problem is she engaged in a pattern of behavior, and along the way, she was asked to cease. And then she'd stir up more controversy, and Disney asked her to stop. Then she stirred up more controversy, and again, after three times, Disney never fired her. They didn't fire her after the first time. They didn't fire her after the second time. They didn't fire her after the third time. But then when it happened again, it was like, look, we've talked about this. You clearly have no interest in, in stopping. Obviously working with us. Uh, what, what we want as far as our image as a company, you don't care about us. You obviously don't care about us. And so we got to part ways. We gave you chance after chance after chance. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, it wasn't about any one particular thing she said. I think at the end of the day, it was Disney going, oh, okay, you don't have any consideration for us as your employers. You have no consideration for us. 
You keep causing problems for us. You keep bringing controversy to our door that we don't want. We asked you time and time and time and time and time again, and you kept saying to us, okay, cool, I won't do it again, and then you did it again. And ultimately, they didn't trust her anymore. And if you don't trust somebody, if you don't trust that we, if you don't trust that this star isn't going to embarrass you later on, and it doesn't matter if you think what she said was embarrassing or not. The fact of the matter is they felt that they were being embarrassed and they're the employers. And if you're doing that to your employer and they keep asking you to stop and you don't, so what's going to happen? So again, I don't think she was fired for any particular thing she said. I think she was fired for a pattern of behavior and for constantly breaking her word to them that she would stop. And I think ultimately that's probably what did it in. All right. What's next? H. James 78 says what Gina said was stupid. Yeah, but not hateful. I would have fired her for saying that. I'm not Jewish, so of course I wasn't offended, but I am black. And if she had said that in regards to black slaves, those stupid, too, it's not hateful and it's not offensive. Again, the problem is there was no one thing. That, that's, that's the issue that people have to remember. Everybody, there's a lot of people who are trying to oversimplify this, and it's a little bit more complex than they want to admit. This wasn't about one thing she said. It was about, over a period of a couple of months, a demonstrated pattern of behavior that she was confronted about. They communicated through her agency. And by the way, even her agency has let her go now because Gina Carano, UTA's client, her agency, Gina Carano just embarrassed UTA because UTA went, cats can keep going back to Disney. Don't worry. She's going to stop. Don't worry. And then, oh yeah, well, she just did it again. And UTA, UTA is, damn it, Gina. And they embarrassed her agency. So her agency dropped her too. Again, it wasn't that there was one thing that she said and then that was it. It was a pattern of behavior of stirring up controversy that Disney didn't want associated with them. It doesn't matter if you were okay, if you would have been okay with being associated with, it doesn't matter. Disney, as the employer said, we don't want to be associated with, with this controversy stuff that you continuously keep stirring up. It's not a good look for us. And we employ you. We put you on our shows. We put you on our network. We cannot have somebody on our shows and on our network if you're constantly going to be stirring up controversy that we don't want any part of. And she kept saying, okay, no problem. And then do it again. Okay, no problem. And do it again. And then finally, after months of that behavior... They said, look, we don't want to be associated with you anymore. You have a freedom of speech to say whatever you want, but we have the freedom to, to employ whoever we want. And we have the freedom to, if we don't want to be associated with the things you're saying, you're free to say it and we're free to disassociate ourselves from you. And that's what they did. And that's how it turned out. It sucks. Nobody's happy. Nobody's happy. I love Mandalorian. I love the Cardoon character. I really like the performance Gina Carano gives it. Nobody's happy. It's a situation she created. This is her doing. This is her doing. And she should have waited till she was done her run on that show and then get on Twitter and say whatever you want. But eh, it is what it is. All right. Thanks for that, H. James. Okay. What's next? All right. Basil says <laughs> someone should just make a trilogy about a doctor who cures cancer, <laughs> AIDS, and COVID, and then give Daniel Day-Lewis a blank check <laughs> to star in it because he will actually 
do everything there just to prepare for the role. Of course. I completely um, agree with you. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He's amazing. He's the best. Amazing. And so for those of you who don't kind of get what Basil, that's very insightful, but for those of you who don't get what it is Basil saying here. So Daniel Day-Lewis is what's known as a method actor. Which there are some others, Jared, uh, Jared Leto, a, a number of other very famous method actors. That by method actor, I'm over, I'm going to oversimplify it, but it's basically they throw themselves into the character even when they're not on screen. Like they try to become that character, act as that character would act, think as that character would think, whether they're in front of the cameras or off having lunch that day, right? And so the 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 implication here is that man, if Daniel Lewis was playing a guy who had to cure cancer. <laughs> He'd go out and cure cancer. That's what Daniel Day-Lewis would do. Damn right he would, Basil. Give him that role. Although I, I understand he's retired now. He is. Yeah, I understand yes. that. I think, was it The Phantom Thread? I the think Phantom the, Thread. Which he said got, was his last film so he could focus on, you know, his children. And cobbling shoes. Uh, did you know that he's a shoe cobbler? Is he? Yeah, he's a shoe cobbler. He loves cobbling shoes. Go figure. How James Franco of him. <laughs> How James You're gonna Franco of him. <laughs> He's like a teacher. He's, eh. All right. Yeah, I love it. What's Aww. next? Thanks for that, Basil. All right. This is from Adrian. Hello, John. I'm working on a doc class project on the future of the industry with one recognizable name. And I was wondering, as not to intrude, if it would be acceptable to ask related questions now and then in the live chat and clip the answers from the show. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's fair use. If you ask a question, if it's regarding the, the movie industry and stuff like that, and I answer it here, and you want to use that as an example in a doc you do, that would be fall under the, the terms of fair use if it was for the subject matter that you're discussing in a documentary. Uh, don't oversimplify fair use, but I think in this particular case, that would fall under that. So by all means, again, if you're asking questions that are kind of related to the industry, go for it. And good luck on your project, man. I look forward to hearing about it. All right, what's next? All right, this is from Josh Valentine. When they show Norm's info sheet in episode four of Wanda, it describes the events of episode five when Vision frees Norm's mind in the 80s. And he tells Vision that his father is in trouble. In context, out of episode four, it seems out of place. I'm guessing prop continuity error? Here's, here's, here's what I think, okay? We as fans, and let's, don't, don't go guffaw this because you've done it too, we've all done it, everybody's done this. We as fans, particularly of genre content, are often guilty of uh, trying to read meaning into every little thing. Listen, I guarantee you, I don't even think they thought anybody was going to read the dossier that was up on the board. They could have put giggly goop, googly goop and, and whatever. And they didn't probably didn't think anybody. So they probably threw some things on there. Honestly, Josh, while I admire your intense commitment to observation of detail, uh, I honestly don't think there's really anything to that or, or any meaning to be mined there. Uh, I think your, your last statement there is probably right. Probably just a prop continuity or whatever. I don't think it has any meaning. But look, may I don't know, maybe we find out Mephisto's in there, He's caused, maybe Dormammu's there, and he's causing some kind of time loop, even though he doesn't have the uh, um, uh, the uh, the time stone or anything, the Eye of Agamotto. But, but I think it's probably just nothing. That's my guess, but could be wrong. We'll see. All right, what's next? All right, Jackson Perez, I believe, says, I can't believe Carano got fired. Easily the most mad I've been since the whole situation with James Gunn. Just so furious over this. Hollywood needs to get their ish together. Jackson, I appreciate your point of view. I do. But the reality is this. If you work for any boss and your boss says, at our place, I lay out some rules. 
I mean, it, and it doesn't matter whether the rules you agree with or not. If you go to work at a, at a shop and they say, hey, by the way, we just have this one weird rule here. No red shoes in the shop. No red shoes. Of course, everybody else in the world has the total freedom and right to wear red shoes that they do. But if you're working for somebody and they say, hey, in my place of work, you don't wear red shoes. If you wear red shoes, you're going to get fired. If you have a really nice boss, they'll say, hey, you wore red shoes today. Please don't do that again. Okay, boss. And then you come in again the next day wearing red shoes again. And if you have a really nice boss, they go again, hey, this is the second time you've worn red shoes in here. Can you not do that again? Okay, boss. And then you do it a third time. By the time you get to the fourth time, I don't care how nice your boss is, they're going to fire you. Gina Carano consistently in a pattern of behavior over a period of months kept making, whether you agreed with her statements or not, and I'm not going to get into that part of it, whether you agreed with her statements or not, she was putting out statements that was stirring up a lot of controversy. And that is stuff that Disney doesn't want to be associated with. Like you take somebody like um, uh, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal himself actually made some similar Nazi comparisons to another situation. Guess what? He doesn't do that anymore. Want to know why? Because Disney reached out to his reps and said, hey, listen, we don't want to be associated with that kind of controversy. We don't want to be associated with that kind of language. Please inform your guy to stop. And guess what? You don't see Pedro Pascal tweeting about that anymore, do you? You don't see Pedro Pascal getting on social media and saying, whether it's things you agree with or disagree with, saying radically controversial things that are going to stir up controversy that then lands on Disney's doorstep that they have to deal with. He doesn't do that because apparently he's smarter or it, the job means more to him, or he just respects the people he works with more to say, hey, I'll keep my thoughts on these issues to myself till I'm not working for you, till we're not in such a high profile, glamorous, all eyes of the world on us kind of a job. It's not like Pedro works at five minute muffler man, right? The whole, the eyes of the world are on him. He says, okay, got it. Got it. I won't do it anymore. Gina Carano insisted on doing things that her bosses have asked her not to do. Gina Carano made commitments that she would stop after each time she continued on. And then finally, at some point, the boss says, you've proven we can't trust you. And so we don't trust investing more money, more publicity, more of our airtime into you when you're going to damage us. We got to let you go. So I, I, sorry, I like Jackson, I appreciate your point of view, but the reality is it was a completely reasonable thing that they did. It's, it's their shop. It's their house. They make the rules in their house. And if you want to work there, you got to follow their rules. Just like if I wanted to work at that shop, I had to cut my hair. Just like if I want to play in the NHL, I got to follow the rules and not talk about the refs, even though everybody else in the world is allowed to. If I want to play in the NBA, because totally I have the option of going to play in the NBA. So if I had the option to go and play in the NBA, I got to understand there's certain fashion choices I can make. There's certain things I can wear and I can't wear and certain ways I can talk and I can't talk. If I want that position of privilege, I'm going to have to follow the unique set of rules that those places have. And we accept that. And we understand that it applies to entertainment as well. So, you know, we're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it, man. They did what they did. And I think they were totally reasonable in doing it. Even if I wouldn't have done it, I think it was totally reasonable that they did. Anyway. All right, let's move on. What's next? All right. This is from Mauricio Flores Meyer. Hey, John, did you hear about the comments made by Buffy's cast on Josh Whedon's abusive treatment on set? Yeah, I addressed this on my show the other day. Listen, I am a, a for those of you who maybe didn't hear me address this on the show the other day. Uh, I am and have been 
a big Joss Whedon fan. I am a big Joss Whedon fan. Um, and I, th- I think he directed the greatest comic book movie of all time in the very first Avengers movie. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've, he's come to my parties. Uh, I've had chances to sit down with him on multiple occasions. He's always been very nice to me. Super guy. I've always been a big fan, big supporter. That said, um, when charisma carpenter comes out and says a lot of things that she said, and then I always mispronounce her name, Michelle Trackenberg, 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 the, the girl who played Buffy's younger sister in the show. Um, then she came out and started saying things. And then on top of all that, Sarah Michelle Geller, who never says anything, mm-hmm. comes out and she made this statement that said, I will always be proud. I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this is the basic gist. I will always be proud of being associated with Buffy Summers, but I never want my name to be associated with Joss Whedon. No. That's, as a fan of Joss Whedon, that is very difficult for me to hear. And listen, I'm not sitting here. I wasn't there. I wasn't on the set of Buffy. I'm not sitting here saying, well, then Joss Whedon is a total asshole and all that kind of stuff. But even as somebody who is very biased for Joss Whedon, because I am such a fan, Mm -hmm. I got to say, it's incredibly disappointing to hear all this. Very disappointing. It's super disappointing. Um, It's not isolated. It's now a lot of people talking about the same scenario. And again, to me, the real punch was Sarah Michelle Geller, who never says anything. You don't see her in the headlines, you know, saying a lot of personal stuff that's either sided. She's pretty neutral, pretty happy, upbeat. But yeah, yeah I was really like, oh, ooh, ooh, ah. Yeah, Ouch. and now her husband's an asshole. I'm just kidding, Freddie. What? I'm just kidding, kidding, Freddie. <laughs> uh, Freddie Prince and I had a little uh, movie trivia uh, rivalry for a while. But anyway. Ah, okay. Just kidding, Freddie. <laughs> Um, but no, you never, and so I, look, I, I, I'm not going to go out. I don't like getting into the TMZ stuff. I like to talk about movies. I like to talk about TV, but again, as I said on the show the other day, it's uh, as somebody who is very pro Joss Whedon, it is extremely disappointing to hear. So I don't know what's going to come out of it. Again, I wasn't there. I'm not passing any judgments, but I can't lie to you. It's extremely disappointing. Anyway. All right. What's next? All right. Coming from Doug Saylor. Disney shut down Blue Sky Studios without hiring a single person from the studio. Did they fire Gina on the same day? So she gets talked about instead of Blue Sky? Um, no. We'll cover Look, up there. The reality is this, and I know this is going to sound harsh. I know this is going to sound harsh. The reality is this. Nobody cares about Blue Sky Studios. Now, obviously, that's hyperbole. Obviously, there are some people who care about Blue Sky Studios. But if I go out to the average film fan, uh, often my example for the average film fan is my mom, who is loves movies, but she's an average film fan. If I go to my mom, hey, mom, what's your favorite Blue Sky Studios movie? She'll have no idea. She won't be able to say Ice Age. She doesn't know what Blue Sky Studios. She won't be able to say Spies in Disguise. She won't be like, it just, most people don't care. If anything, you would think that they were, they shut down Blue Sky on the same day that they fired Gina Carano to try to cover up the Gina Carano thing. If anything, it operates. But look, the reality is this. When big mergers happen in any industry, whether it's the telecommunications industry, whether it's the restaurant industry, whatever, when big mergers happen, a lot of things become redundant. It's like, okay, uh, that com- we just merged these companies. Well, this company had a chief janitorial services officer and this company had a chief janitorial services officer we got big buildings it's a big job to maintain these buildings we only need one 
chief janitorial services officer. So one's going to be let go or reassigned or something like that. It, it, it's, it sucks, but it's reality. When Disney and Fox merged, the reality is this. Most studios have one animation department. Wow. Disney's got two already. They got Pixar and they got Disney animation. Yeah. And they had Blue Sky Studios. And there might even be a smaller fourth one. But at some point, Disney's going to look at it and say, do we need three animation studios? Probably not. And it, and let's face it too, nobody's watching the Ice Age 17 and Spies in Disguise didn't do anything at the box office mm-hmm. and they have two other things. So it, it sucks. It's terrible. I, the, all the people that lost their jobs. And by the way, over the next couple of months, it doesn't often happen on the same day. I would not be surprised at all to find out over the next couple of months, there will be some key talent in Blue Sky Studios that Disney Animation and Pixar will probably, you know, take over and, and stuff like that. But there are a lot of people losing their jobs. But that's that's what happens when big bodies uh, kind of um, merge. That there, well, there was an innuendo in there. I'm going to let it go. But that's what happens when these when these big entities merge. There's going to be redundancy. People are going to lose their jobs and it's, and it's unfortunate. I hope they're able to find other stuff elsewhere. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Doug. Appreciate that. All right. What's next? All right. From Sammy Boo 21. Hey, John, Rob, and Aaron. I recently lost my brother and two aunts. Oh, uh, sorry to hear that, man. And I wanted to say that I love you all from the bottom of my heart for getting me through this time. I also watched Nomadland in IMAX. Wow. Amazing. Beautiful. Perfect film for these times. Once again, thanks. Listen, Sam, we talk about it on the show all the time. It's true. You know, I, uh, many of you heard it a million times. Doesn't matter. It's true. You guys know that one of the things that spurred me to start out on my own and, and start my channel to leave my old job and start my own thing was the passing of my best friend growing up. And whenever I think of him, I think of he and I, as kids, taking the uh, Hamilton uh, bus downtown to the go to the Lloyd D. Jackson Square Mall, where there was a movie theaters in there for this new little movie coming out, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, called Batman. And me and my buddy going down there and watching that. And ever since my friend passed away, whenever Batman comes up, whether it's a comic story or whether it's a Ben Affleck Batman thing, or we're talking about Christian Bale's Batman... Never fails. Whenever Batman comes up, I think about my friend. One of the great things about movies and and the movie community is that it becomes an oasis for us. Movies don't take our problems away. They don't. But what I have found in my life that they, what they do do is that they give you a two hour oasis where your mind gets to engage in the abstract You get to get lost in the story of others. You get to be inspired. And when you come out, it's not that your problems aren't still there waiting for you, but that your mind is a bit renewed. Maybe you have a little bit of different perspective on life. Maybe you're a little bit more refreshed. Either way, the problems are still there, but maybe your ability to confront your problems and face those problems and endure the problems or tragedies or whatever changes a little bit. And I have found that has been true in my life. I know we hear from you guys all the time. That's true for yours. So it is our honor, Sammy, to be a part of the film fan community with you and that the the world of movies and film and the community that celebrate them can be that for you as well. And as far as Nomadland, getting a lot of awards, buzz and all that kind of stuff. And that makes me excited 
because she's also the same person who's directed the upcoming Marvel film, The Eternals, which says some really good things about that. So a lot of good things all around. So anyway, Sammy, again, deepest condolences for your recent losses. And it's incredibly honoring that we get to be a part of the same fan community as you. So thanks for sharing that, man. We appreciate that. All right. What is next? All right, next we have from Teddy D. He says, John, I really think the antagonist in WandaVision is female. Hmm. Episode one ending seemed like a feminine hand. And the frequent she's in control comments from characters might not refer to Wanda. My question is who in Marvel could that character be? Emma Frost? Or Enchantress? Well, it can't be Enchantress. They've already used Enchantress, if I'm not mistaken. They used her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Absolutely terrible show. Um, That's just me. I know a lot of people like it. I wanted to like it because I love Clark Gregg. But I didn't like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, And I don't think they're bringing in X-Men here. So it's not an Emma Frost thing. I still think the, the, the main person here is Wanda. She is still the main person. Now, granted, when Norm, when Vision touched Norm's head and she said, stop her. It's like, oh, he didn't say Wanda. He said her. her. And he said she. But then when he's with Agnes and touches her, Agnes is like, Wanda's not going to let us leave. But she directly names Wanda. But is Agnes just misdirecting Vision? There's a lot of these questions there, too. So I don't know. Where the hell has Dottie been? Dottie came, crashed onto the scene as the person in town. You got, and all of a sudden she disappears. Other than that one great joke, she goes, does this make me look fat? Her husband says when the lights go out, oh, thank God. You know, other than that, I think that was the last time we saw her. I that, could be mistaken. Yeah, I haven't seen Homegirl since. Yeah, I yeah. think that was it. So I don't know. Is she something else? If she is, though, why was she living in the fantasy too with her husband to ask her husband, does this make me look fat? And it'll be, I, don't, I don't know. I I am now thinking that whole Norm thing, when he doesn't say Wanda, he just says she and her. I have a feeling that was Kevin Feige messing with us to because he knew Kevin Feige knows us. And he knows, watch this. We're gonna not have her say <laughs> Wanda. And watch how they lose their minds. Oh my god, it's somebody else. I think there's a chance he may have been playing with us here a little bit. Let me ask uh, you, Kimberly. Yeah. If if you had to put five bucks on the table right now yeah. and say this is either the she, her thing, everything, mm-hmm. it's all Wanda, or Agnes is a villain, or Dottie is a villain, or it's any of the other options, Mephisto, Nightmare, Dormammu, you name it. If you had to put $5 on one of those squares right now, where are you putting your $5? I'm, I'm putting my $5 on Dottie. Really? You know why? Because although Kevin Feige does know us so well, he does. We're like a family. And you know those crazy cousins. If you give them a nut, they're just going to run with it and run with it. And sometimes he does do that. However, they also don't do stuff for no reason. And when Mm. on her episode, she had the red when everything was black and white on her hand. There was so much meaning and her attitude was so nasty (laughs) when everyone else was like, girl, your jeans look great. No, her attitude was so nasty. And her husband, that that situation, you know, I really think she's going to come back. And when she does, you're going to be like, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, you. Yeah. By the way, her husband has the two funniest lines in the show. One, the, does this make me look fat? Lights go out, thank God. Uh-huh. The other, and nobody else talks about this line. I don't think anybody else found it funny. But it was during the, the fundraiser talent show. Yeah. And like he lifts up the piano, puts it down. Then Wanda turned into just a cardboard cutout. Oh, yeah. And the guy's like, 
that was my grandfather's piano. Oh, yeah. Like that. I don't know. I laughed my ass off. When I that totally happened, know. I almost spit up my yeah. drink. I laughed so yeah. hard. No, I thought that was, that was funny. Great. That was funny. All right. What's next? All righty. This is from Lord Dark Helmet. I love Dark Helmet. Rick Moranis. I love movies and dislike getting into politics, but my issue is the double standards. Pedro Pascal ludicrously compared Trump's border policies to the Holocaust, and no one censures him. It's not free speech. It's about inconsistency. No, it was totally consistent. How many times have you heard Pedro Pascal say that since? I'll wait. How many times have you heard him say that since? Want to know why? Because Disney reached out to his reps and said, we, we, we'd rather not the stars of our shows engage in controversial, like seriously controversial stuff like that. That's going to bring crap on our door. They gave Gina Carano three different warnings. The difference between the Gina Carano situation and the Pedro Pascal situation is when they finally approached him to say, huh, hey, listen, can you maybe not do that? He said, OK, and he stopped doing it. So there there is a consistency here. The difference is that Gina Carano is that Pedro Pascal stopped and and Gina Carano just kept doing it with one tweeting out one controversial thing after another controversial thing after another controversial thing after another. And finally, after four times, it wasn't three strikes and you're out. It was four. Like a lot of people, they come out and say, you know, um, and with all due respect, but a lot of people come out and say, oh, they just fired her because she has a different political opinion. No, 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 no. She tweeted out some stuff that was very different political opinion than what Disney's position is, and Disney didn't fire her. Then she, a little bit later, put out another massively controversial thing that is not consistent with Disney's policies, different political opinion, and they still didn't fire her. Then she did it a, you know, in the Shakespearean, a thrice time. Thrice, she went out and posted about another issue that was super controversial that was not consistent with Disney's policies. And again, they didn't fire her. It's So everybody's, there's a bunch of people acting as if, oh, she did this one thing and then they just fired her. That is not factual. Stop dealing in these fantasy worlds. The facts are she did something once, not consistent, and they didn't fire her. She did it again, they didn't fire her. She did it again and they didn't fire her. And then finally, after another time, months later, they finally said, we can't trust you. We can't trust you. We have our rules here. And if you want to work with us, you got to follow our rules. If you don't want to follow our rules, go work somewhere else. But these are our rules. And she consists. So, yeah, sorry. The There was a lot of people trying to make it sound like the Pedro Pascal situation makes it... Uh, um, you know, uh, makes it an inconsistent thing when actually, no, it act the Pedro Pascal situation proves they've been very consistent, right? He put it out, they talked to his reps, and then he stopped. And if Gina Carano had stopped after the first one, she would still be Cara Dune. If she had even stopped after the second one, she would still be Cara Dune. If she had stopped after the third one, where they still didn't fire her, she would still be Cara Dune. But she decided trying to be a little internet Twitter celebrity was more important to her than having a dream job on a Star Wars show as a beloved character. And that happened. Again, I don't think I would have fired her, but you'd, you'd have to be naive or willfully biased to look at the situation and just go, yeah, Disney was, it was pretty reasonable how Disney handled that. Not like the James Gunn situation. They fired James Gunn's ass 
without discussion, without a conversation, without even deliberation. Found out about it. 15 minutes later, Alan Horn is putting out a statement. What he did is inconsistent with our values. We're not going to work with him anymore. Boom. They didn't do that with Gina. They learned their lesson. They talked to her. They talked to her reps. They went through process again and again and again. And finally, they said they can't deal with it anymore. So yes, actually, Dark Lord Helmet, they were very consistent. The difference is Gina acted differently after being talked to than Pedro Pascal did. Anyway, there's that. All right, what's next? All right, this comes from Cody Hunt Films. Before Pedro Pascal was cast as Joel, there were reports that Mahershala Ali was being eyed for the role. Hmm. Not surprisingly, Idiots Online complained about the changing of the race of the character. Funny how people see fictional characters' race as sacred. Well, I mean, listen, I... This is what I my position on this has always been. It has always been this for years. Maybe my position will change on it someday. I'm not married to the position, but this has been my thought over the years so far. Um, okay. To me, I don't care. Like when Michael Clark Duncan was cast to play, God, I miss Michael Clark Duncan. When Michael Clark Duncan, hold my hand, boss, was <laughs> cast to play Kingpin in uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil which is a better movie than people give it credit for. <laughs> but when Michael Clark Duncan played that, sure, a lot of people's like, but Kingpin isn't, isn't black. Okay, true. But to me, the issue is when you create the character on screen, do you capture the essence of who and what that character is? Not the little details. Does he have blue eyes or brown eyes or, you know, salt and pepper hair or white hair? Or is he five foot eight or is he five foot ten? I don't give a crap about any of that. What I care about as a viewer is, do you capture the essence, the key essential core to the DNA identity of who that character is? And when I watch Michael Clark Duncan's performance as Kingpin in that, I'm like, dude, nail Kingpin in this kind of a movie, right? Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin in Daredevil on Netflix was another level. Yeah, but, but when at that time for the type of movie that was, I thought Michael Clark Duncan killed it. When you talk about Fantastic Four, Michael B. Jordan steps in and plays Johnny Storm, right? But... It, he got Johnny Storm. Yeah, his skin color was different, but he got Johnny Storm. So I, I, I got it and I liked it. When, oh my God, I'm forgetting this, the fabulous actress's name uh, who played the ancient one in Doctor Strange. Tilda uh, Swinton. Thank you, Tilda Swinton. See, see? God love Tilda. You don't just have a great reading God voice. Tilda. <laughs> God love Tilda. So when Tilda Swinton played the ancient one, mm -hmm. like she, when you watch that character, it's like, this is the ancient one. And she right? was so mystic. Yeah, there, there yeah. was something so great. Yeah. It didn't matter whether the, the race she was or, or the, she was female or anything like that. I think they said she was Celtic or something like that. Oh. But the key was they captured what the character was. And so everybody gets mad at me whenever this issue, because it comes up at least three or four times every year. Everybody gets mad at me when they say, uh, John, they're casting this person who isn't the uh, the ethnicity or the gender or the whatever of this character. What do you think? And everybody gets mad at me when I give the same answer. I don't care. I don't care. Now, I will tell you this, though. I never heard I never heard the that Mahershala Ali was in the running to play Joel. I never heard that. But if they did, Mahershala Ali is a two-time Academy Award-winning actor, my friends. Uh, so can't complain. He yeah. would have he would have made that damn thing work. Now, at the same time, I get it when some people 
get a little possessive of, of characters that they love yeah. because they know them a certain way, right? Yeah. Like um, when you when Hugh Jackman was cast as Wolverine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. First of all, nobody liked it. Everybody pretends that they were cool with it when it happened. They lie. Nobody liked the casting of Hugh Jackman. Really? Wolverine is supposed to be five foot nothing. He's supposed to be this little guy. And nobody at the time knew who Hugh Jackman was. They're like, wait a minute. He's a Broadway song and dance man. As Wolverine? He was Kate the, Leopold. Right. He was well, a romantic... Oh, he was Leopold. By the way, I like Kate and Leopold. Yeah. I like Kate yeah. Leopold. But is the song and dance man? By the way, he did another... He was in another rom- rom-com um, with... Oh, what is the actress's name? Now you got me like... Um, oh, I forget. Who is, who is the girl who is in Double uh, double Indemnity? Um, uh, oh, oh, oh. And she was... She, uh, Judd. Judd. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. Yes. What's the movie? He did a movie with Ashley Judd where they talk about new cow and old cow. No, um, that was, I don't think that was him. I think that was, Ger- was it was Ger- that Gerard, Gerard Butler? Butler? Was it? Okay. Yeah, the that, cow. Was that Gerard Butler? I thought that was, oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah, we're getting yeah, way the up cow. on the cow. Oh, that like scene that was movie. so good. I like that movie. And maybe it was Gerard Butler. <laughs> Compare me to a cow? Because mm-hmm. Gerard, Gerard Butler does another one of like that called um, The Ugly Truth. That yes. he does with the girl from um, uh, Grey's, Grey's Anatomy. Anatomy. Uh, and I forget her name. And yeah, she's she on a new show on uh, Netflix. Rogen. Right, and she was in the Seth Rogen knocked movie. Up, knocked, knocked up. Knocked up. But anyway, yeah. by the way, Ugly Truth is a seriously underrated comedy. Such a good I movie. Love, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> getting cast as Wolverine. But listen, a, a lot now, today, a lot of us can't even imagine Wolverine as anybody else other than Hugh Jackman. We, and to be honest, I didn't, I, I realized that his stature was shorter, you know, but I didn't pay attention to it. But now when I look at like all the t-shirts I have, I'm like, oh yeah, he wasn't 6'2". Yeah, the little <laughs> knucklehead, the little knucklehead. But do I care? No. But a lot of people, but you understand, a lot of people who who know Wolverine before they did the movie, who love Wolverine, they, they feel a bit of ownership when... You make a drastic departure. Yes. For what and all of a sudden you got this six two, six three song and dance man. By the way, if you haven't seen uh The Greatest Showman, mm, go watch The Greatest Showman. Um it, it suddenly there's that. And sure, some people are gonna feel that way. And so that's why, like when questions about there was some uh, rumors about Michael B. Jordan maybe playing Superman. And a lot of I people, remember that. A lot of people yeah. go, whoa, 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 time out. Like, to me, I don't care as long as he embodies the, the essence of who and what Superman is. By the way, guess what? Superman isn't white. He ain't black. He ain't Asian. He ain't Italian. He is an alien entity. Yeah. So, but that aside, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there are people who have known Superman their whole lives. And mm-hmm. they, they identify him as the little curl in the hair, glasses when he's Clark Kent, Caucasian dude. And so I, I get it. I get why some people who, who feel ownership of that get their backs yeah. up when they make a radical change. I get it. But I think at the end of the day, do you get the character? That's all I care about. Do you get the character? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that. Okay. I agree. Anyway, what's next? All right. This is coming from Abdul. Hey, John, thank you for your continuous contributions to my life. Well, thank you for being here, Abdul. My question is, do you see Marvel ever dwelling in the horror aspects, such as werewolves and others? I'd like to think Blade could open that door. Thank you always. Well, you're 100% right. Blade is open. Actually, I would go even one step back from that. I think Doctor Strange opened the door for that. There are definitely horror elements 
in Doctor Strange. And when Scott directed that, who is primarily known as a horror director, you knew they were going to go that way. Now, of course, the reason Scott's not directing Doctor Strange 2 is because he even wanted to push the horror even further. I think further than than Disney and Marvel are ready to go quite yet. But then they bring in another horror director, Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. who's going to be doing Doctor Strange 2. I'm looking forward to so that excited. a lot. But, but the answer is yes. I think they open the door with Doctor Strange and they're going to gradually go a little bit more in that direction and obviously bringing in Blade. I mean, Blade isn't going to be the R-rated Wesley Snipes version of Blade where you have a vampire masturbating in a strip club. <laughs> I don't think they're going to go that far, but... They're going to start pushing the boundaries on their horror elements a little bit. Because, listen, they've been pushing so much stuff. They're trying different things now. And you have to after 20-plus MCU films. And WandaVision is a great example of that. So, yes, Abdul, I do think you're going to see over the next three to four years them pushing horror a little bit more. I mean, like they could even bring back uh, Ghost Rider. Uh, that, that's not cuddly. Right? So we'll see. All right. What's next? I like it. All right. Austin says, I think everyone needs to stop comparing everything to Nazi Germany. (laughs) Twitter constantly compares things happening in the U.S. to Nazi Germany, and it's disingenuous to anyone who had to live during arguably the worst event in world history. Well, it is. And it's it's. I come from a debate background. Like I I, I did a a law of the law debate. That's why I got involved in law. Um, But you know, one of the the cheapest. Just can you know a concert? You want a cheap pop from the audience? Hello, Cleveland! Right, that's your automatic cheap pop. Right, you want a cheap pop in debating? Compare something your opponent is talking about to to Hitler and Nazi Germany. Yeah, it is an easy softball. I understand the temptation to go there. I do. But you're right. At the end of the day, it's not constructive. Now, sometimes we've had politicians say things that are eerily similar to maybe what Hitler may have said. And maybe at that point, it becomes appropriate to let's look. uh, Maybe you shouldn't say this because that's awfully similar to this. But for the most part, I think you're right. People lean back on that one just a little too much, Austin. I think you're onto something there. All right. What's next? All right. Jake says it doesn't have to be a violation of freedom of speech for it to be wrong. I agree. Disney firing Gina doesn't impede her freedom of speech, but firing someone for having differing political views is wrong. Again, you're oversimplifying it, Jake. They didn't fire her for having different political opinions. They fired her because she was doing something they asked her not to do, regardless of what it was. Start making controversial comments on social media, wearing red shoes. It it doesn't matter what it is. That's what they fired her for. That's why Pedro Pascal is still there because they asked him to stop and he did. And that's why Gina Carano is not. They asked her to stop and she didn't. Listen, again, I I bring our attention to the other industries. You want to go to the NBA? There's certain rules you got to follow that nobody else has to follow. You want to play in the NHL? You got to follow certain rules that nobody else has to follow. And if you want this incredible position of privilege where you become world famous and make millions of dollars, then you need to to play by the certain set of structural rules. You're going to have to follow some rules that nobody else has to, just like in the NHL, just like in the NBA, just whatever. And if you consistently exhibit to us that you're that we can't trust you, if you do it over and over and over again, again, Jake, you're oversimplifying this. They didn't fire for a differing political opinion. If that was the case, they would have fired her after the first tweet, and they didn't. If that was the case, they certainly would have fired her after the second time, and they didn't. If that was the case, it's a brain-dead thing. Obviously, well, they would have fired her after the third time, and they didn't. They did reach out through her reps, and then finally she did it again. They couldn't trust her anymore. 
she was she said to them, it's more important that I play this game on Twitter than than working here and doing this. And that's her right. That's her privilege. If she decides, she gets to make the choice which was more important to her, and she chose. And Disney has the right to go. We don't want to be associated with that. It's that simple. You have that right, by the way. You have that right, Jake. If there's a YouTuber who's constantly saying things that you completely disagree with and you don't want to associate with them, you stop watching that YouTube channel. Maybe mine will be one of them. But you have that right. It's your right. It's your freedom. If you don't want to watch a certain YouTube channel because they constantly say things that you find are, are inconsistent with what you feel and what you think are right, then you stop watching that channel. If Disney has somebody working in their employ that is constantly doing things that they feel are inconsistent with what and who they are and they won't stop doing out on a public stage, then they have the right to go, we don't want to be associated with that. And we've given you one chance, two chances, three chances, four strikes, you're out. And uh, it, it kind of is what it is. All right, what's next? All right, this is coming from HV3. John, I respect the fact that you hope Carano comes back as Cara Dune. I do not. I hope they replace her with another actress. I like the Dune character, and hopefully Disney can find another actress who is a good fit. Well, let's be clear here. What I am a fan of is fixed relationships. I am a fan of fixed relationships. Uh, because I am a person in my life that I've been really lucky to have some broken relationships fixed. And I'm also somebody in life, much like everybody else, who's had broken relationships I've never been able to fix. And those suck. And so it, it's, yes, I am a fan of Gina Carano. Yes, I really like her iteration of Cara Dune. But really, and, and as a fan, I would like to see more of Cara Dune as portrayed by Gina Carano. Yes, but really at the heart of it, the reason why I will always deep down kind of hope for and cheer for um, her coming back is because I'm a fan of fixed relationships. And again, I don't need Gina Carano to have the same opinions I have or the same opinion, just like Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood has a lot of opinions, man, that I do not agree with. But guess what? It doesn't change the fact that I think he's like the, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. I love his work and all that kind of stuff. And I don't need to agree with him on his certain point of views on things. And if Gina and Disney at some point can come together and not share the same opinions, but understand this is how we can work together while you have opinions and we have our values. And if we conduct ourselves in a certain way, those don't matter. And we're going to be able to make art together. And we're going to be able to make things together that people enjoy, regardless of the fact that away from it, we have certain values and away from it, you have certain values. That's okay. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I hope so because I like fixed relationships. And we all know we all have relationships that have been broken in the past that we can't fix. And that sucks. So I'm always a fan when I get to see other people fix relationships. I mean, just, yeah, maybe that's stupid of me. I don't know. Okay. I, look, let me ask you. I'm going to yes. go out on a limb. Yes. I'm going to go out on a limb. All righty. And I'm going to guess here that in the span of your lifetime, mm hmm you, every relationship you've had in your life is probably not all still there. There are probably some broken relationships. I'm guessing because you have blood and breathe air. So like, it's like isn't that one of the things that we as people kind of always regret the most is, oh, is yeah. broken relationships? Yeah, yeah. Because you learn and you grow and, and you're able to sometimes look back and go, I should have just humbled myself. I should have just 
humbled myself or you're able to go, you know what? I, I still think I'm right, but they meant so much to me. I should have just bit the bullet. And, or I wish the circumstances you know, could have been different. Maybe, I wish the circumstances were different. Sometimes yeah. things do happen where it's just like, you know what? No matter what we do, this relationship isn't going to work it's anymore. It's not fun. Yeah. And we lament the circumstances or so. I, 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 I don't want to get too deep. We're here to talk about Mephisto and the wizards. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's true. That's what that's why at the heart of it, I will always hope why I was so happy to hear James Gunn come back to Disney. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. If eight months from now we hear that Gina Carano's coming back into the Disney fold, I'll be very happy to hear that because it meant they figured out a way that she can believe what she believes. Disney can have the values that they have and they both understand how we need to all conduct ourselves and we can work together and make art that people celebrate and love. Mm -hmm. If that can happen, I think that would be a good day, regardless of whether I agree with the things Gina's done in the past before or not. But that's just me. All right. What's next? All right. Again, from HV3, I hope people will understand freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequences. There's an example that I've used a number of times. People say, John, that's not a good example. I'm sorry. You're wrong. It's actually a perfect example. Here's the example. Uh, there are still some people who try to make this out to be an issue of freedom of speech. It's obviously not. Gina Carano has the right to say whatever she wants to say. But freedom goes both ways. You have the freedom if you want to hear what she has to say or not. That's your choice. You can choose to not listen to her. You can choose to disassociate yourself with her. And Disney has that same right. Gina has the right to say whatever she wants to say, but Disney has the right to say, okay, we have the right to choose to disassociate ourselves from what you say. You can still go off and say it, but we just don't want to be associated with you anymore. That's the right. And here's the example I often give. If you had a dinner guest over to your house who when the first course is about to be served, decided to stand up at the table and proclaim in a loud voice that your mother is a whore. Are you going to continue to serve dinner to that person or are you going to ask them to leave politely or not? The answer to that question is obvious. You're going to have them leave. Uh, maybe politely, maybe not, but you're going to have them leave. That doesn't mean that you're not for free speech. It doesn't mean that you're trying to stifle their, their ability to, to say their opinion it just means you get to decide who you're going to have dinner with. That's what it means. And you have the right to say, that's cool. You can have, if you want to say that, that's cool. You just can't do it in my house. You just can't do it in my house. That is the principle. Somebody else has the right to free speech. Sure. But you have the right and everybody else has the right to choose if they want to associate with you or the words that you spoke. That is the issue. That's the issue. Gina had the right to say what she wanted to say. Disney has the right to say, we don't want to be associated with that. That's freedom. That's what freedom means. It goes both ways. And so uh, that's kind of my, uh, my thoughts on that. All right, let's move on. What's next? This is from Dr. Quinn Medicine Dude. Sully. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'm sure this question has probably been asked before, but with all of the talk of who will be the next big villain in the MCU, could it be that WandaVision is setting Wanda up to be the next major MCU villain. <sighs> okay. I'm not quite sure how to answer that because on the one hand, I believe she's going bad. She's broke. Poor thing's going bad. Yeah. She's, she's broken. Like her, like we've talked about this in the show. She is a character who her entire life has been defined by tragedy. Pain, pain, and more pain. Like even yeah. that little joke about her and Pietro as kids going trick-or-treating. With <laughs> the fish, oh God. Right, but what was, so if you sad. listen to that scene, what do you hear in the background? 
gunfire, machine gun fire in the background and explosions going off. That's their childhood. And then her parents die. And then she's experimented on by Hydra. And then her brother dies. And then the, she finds a family that then splits into a civil war and they have to fight against each other. Then she finds the love of her life and she has to kill him. She has to kill him. Therapy. She needs to kill him. Only to find out that doing the most difficult thing she's ever done in her life in an act of sacrifice, killing the person she loves, it's undone like that. And then she's got to watch him die again. She's broken. When we see at the end of Endgame, her at the funeral scene talking to Hawkeye, when she's talking, you can tell this is a broken person. This is a broken person. And you can tell in this show, she's, she's broken. And you feel empathy, but I also feel terrified. The power she wields and the depth of her brokenness and the self, what's the word I'm looking for? Justification. Yeah. The self-justification for all the things she's doing. That e- So finally, when Pietro says, her, by the way, that ain't Pietro, but the, the person who looks like Pietro is saying to her, you know, and you know, oh, like, hey, uh, how did you do the thing with the kids, by the way? Did you hide them away? And she looks at him and she goes, so you you don't think it's wrong? Nah, I'm, I'm impressed. impressed. Mm-hmm. She, you know, this, this, it's terrifying. So how is this difficult question for me? It's a difficult question for me because of this. She's going bad. And I do believe, I don't know, I believe. I believe she is going to be the antagonist in Doctor Strange 2. But is she, does that mean she's the villain like, uh, I'm trying to think of a villain in one of the films, that like Yellow Jacket was the villain in the first Ant-Man movie? Or does it mean she's the next Thanos where she's like the big threat of the entire MCU? I think it's more of the former. I think she's more like going to be the villain of Doctor Strange 2. But I've said this before, and I haven't asked you this. Hmm. I don't think Wanda's around anymore after Doctor Strange 2. I think she dies. In House of M. Really? In the House of M, the comic book line that a lot of WandaVision is based on. Okay. It ultimately comes down. Well, the way way the story starts is that Professor Xavier has to get the the X-Men together and the Avengers together and basically have a very hard conversation and say, I'm trying my best to help Wanda. But she's so broken that every time she has an episode, she's changing reality. She's a threat to the world. And we have to have a serious discussion about whether or not to end her life. And there's this great scene where it's like literally all the X-Men and all the Avengers in a room, they're debating about whether or not they have to kill Wanda. And I have a feeling, again, I don't know this, that when it comes down to Doctor Strange 2, It is going to be about them trying to stop Wanda and trying to save Wanda. And at the end of the day, they're going to face a terrible decision. Whoever else is there with Doctor Strange, Mm. whether it's Spider-Man, whether it's, I don't know, Thor's going to show up, whatever. But they're going to face a very difficult decision. And I think they kill Wanda. I think it's totally possible. Because like I was such a huge fan of the X-Men movies. And when Jean died... Well, and then she was resurrected, like always. But, yep. <laughs> but you know, when she, when she died, I was like, and when Wolverine was the one to do it, it was like, no, I love her. I love this character. But you saw, like, in his face, this needs to happen. Look what you did. Yes. Yeah. Look yeah, what yeah. you did. You know, you almost killed a kid. Like, yeah, yeah. I, mm, I don't want to admit that i agree with you but i do because i was so hopeful because because the tragic thing about her also is that everyone else got to either live with their powers or have someone help them hone their powers like thor thor was born with with his powers and everything but when she got her powers, she went right into 
drama. Yeah. There was no time in the forest where she got to just play around and how do I work this? And she's just using her powers with her emotions like a roller coaster, like you said, with everything she's been through. So she she hasn't had a peaceful time to sharpen her skills and go, how can I help people with this? She's just been tragedy after tragedy. And oh, yeah, I can do this. Huh. Let me see what I can do. So and she's finding out she's even more powerful than she knew. Yes. Like, and that's the scary. That's where the mystery. How did you get here? I don't know. For all we know, someone else did it. But for all we know, she went into a tizzy, you know, after the funeral and all of a sudden was like, I I don't know how I did this, but I did. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. All right. What's next? Jake writes, in some countries, being vocally liberal can get you fired from your job. That's not an impediment on free speech either, but it is wrong. Just because in America, cancel culture leans the other way, it doesn't make it okay. Again, Jake, you know, I'm just going to, as you, I'm just going to kind of reiterate, that's a false argument. That's not what this is about. This is about a person who, like any workplace, there are certain sets of rules. She was doing things the employer didn't want being done and bring attention to them. They asked her several times. They gave her several chances. And she ultimately decided, unlike, say, Pedro Pascal, who was kind of talked to and he stopped. And that's what this is about. It's not about any of the stuff that you're talking about. That's an oversimplification of it. It's about, a, you know, a person who exhibited a pattern of behavior. She's allowed to think whatever she wants to think. She's allowed to feel whatever she wants to feel. But while she's sitting in this very rare privileged position of fame and money with Disney, She's going to have to curtail her social media postings because that's the type of stuff that her employer didn't want. She did it. They didn't fire her. She did it again. They didn't fire her. She did it again. They didn't fire her. And then she did it a fourth time. And it's just the sorry, the situation is, Jake, it's not what you're making it out to be. That is a far oversimplification. So uh, that's just my take on it. But anyway, I understand you have your point of view on it and I respect that. But again, it is not the one that I share. All right. Anyway, what's next? James Argenta says, my new favorite WandaVision theory I read, Agnes is Agatha Harkness, and she is using Wanda to gain power, which leads her to become a gender swap nightmare, which will end with Wanda and Agatha will return in Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness. Well, here's the thing. The the theory that Agnes is uh, Agatha Harkness has been like literally there before the show started. Uh, Before the show even aired its first episode, that was the predominant theory. And there's several reasons to think that. She's in the witch costume when she's in the car talking to Vision. She's wearing that one kind of brooch, that pendant that's kind of eerily similar to the one that Agatha Harkness wears in the thing. There, You are not crazy to think that. And, and clearly there's something very different about Agnes than every other citizen in Westview. So you are not crazy to suspect she's Agatha Harkness. Not at all. There is anecdotal evidence there. I still don't think she is, but... You're not wrong. It could be, but even if she is Agatha Harkness, I don't think this stretches then out into Doctor Strange 2. I I think WandaVision will come to a resolution. I think the story of WandaVision will come to to an end at the end of the season. So I don't think it'll stretch out, but hey, listen, man, it's as good a theory as any, and let's see if that's the direction they go. All right, what's next? All right, Russell Amador says, hey, John, not sure if this has been discussed, It's really been recently revealed that Falcon and Winter Soldier will have a TV 16 rating for bad language and violence. I believe this was revealed by international trade. I can't recall, but any thoughts? No, I mean, really, a little bit of uh, a little bit of adult language and violence is 
Welcome to the MCU. I mean, it depends. I mean, listen, I don't think we're going to hear Bucky dropping F-bombs every every five <laughs> minutes, but there has been some language and some violence and everything. So to really, to me, Russell, it's a non-starter. And by the way, as an adult male, I don't care if they get filthy. I really don't. I mean, for all I care, Sam and... Um, Oh, uh, what's what's the name of the character again? Peggy Peggy's niece, her niece, uh, her niece. Ah. Anyway, I, I can't remember now, but I, if, I don't care if, if, you know, there's a scene where Winter Soldier was out buying groceries and, you know, he picks up some fabulous pop tarts is like, can't wait for Sam to try some of these pop tarts. And he walks in and he walks in on Sam and her rubbing uglies. That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. As an adult man, I don't care. Now, if, if I was a parent, maybe I'd be like, what the holy hell are you doing? Ma-? Maybe, but I'm not a parent, so I don't care. Give me the filthy. Bring on the filthy. I love it. Bring it. But So I really don't care. But honestly, at the end of the day, a little bit of language, a little bit of violence. It's the MCU. It's what they've yeah. done so far. So I don't think it'll be... Um, I don't think it'll be anything wrong with that. I think I think the TV 16 rating really doesn't mean much. So it doesn't bother me. I did. You got a thought on that? Tony's daughter said shit. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but I get it because um, I do get it because I've got I've got nieces and nephews. And I know with Disney, it's like, am I watching Doc McStuffins today mm. or am I going to put this one to nap? And then as my teenager come in and we're going to watch this. So, again, the good thing, something for everyone, everyone in the family, yep. the toddlers to teens. But as a parent, it is good to know, like, which one am I getting right now? But is it, is it going to be cute cursing? Like, is the cute guy going to curse? I mean, cute curtsy. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. All right. What's next? This is from Jesse. To recommend further, I didn't expect much from Big Sky either. My dad actually starting it. My dad just started watching it too. And in the course of the first episode, I went from being on my phone the whole time to being glued to the screen and haven't missed an episode yet. Great performances as well with Brian Garrity, Chicago PD, We Are Marshall, Flight, bringing his best. Don't get me wrong, it's not breaking bad levels, but definitely not CW. I was actually surprised by the quality. See, uh, do you watch Big Sky? My dad does. And and um, when I do my quality time, <laughs> I try to get in with everyone. I'm like, what's dad doing? All right, we're doing Big Sky. And and honestly, um, I stepped in the other night and he hates when I do this, when he says, if you're not going to watch the whole thing, do not come in, in the fourth episode and ask me what's happening. But I am daddy's girl. So he paused <laughs> it, caught me up. And I was I was kind of riveted. I was like, Oh boy, with the thing is like he's the th- oh oh shoot like I was like okay and I sat down and I watched two episodes, like and, I I was I like it I like it. See this it's thing I saw I saw the trailers for like they were pushing it pretty hard. Yeah, because Ryan Philippi was in the I don't want to spoil it for anyone. He's in it. Is he in it? I he, know there's a is. guy who's in it who looks just like Ryan Philippi, but it looks way too young to be Ryan it's Philippi. Him. It is uh, depending on what episode you're watching, it, it's he he's in it. I don't I don't want to spoil too much. He's, he's okay. He, yeah. So, but even when I'm like driving down, like I'm driving around in Burbank and whatever, and I'm going down the Barn Pass, like there's giant big sky posters. And when I first saw it, it looked like number one, this looks really CW to me. It looks really really CW. And I thought, so this is gonna because because you know another CW show Riverdale. Yeah. I tried watching Riverdale, right? Yeah. And in the first four episodes i think 
Archie had like slept with four of them. I'm like, I'm not really sure. And I feel like, okay, this is going to be another one of these kind of salacious. Oh God, CW, the high school, yeah. You know, big little lies or what? It's going to be one of these things. I shouldn't talk. My wife loves big little lies. So I should probably be careful. But I mean, and like just this is going to be schlocky. So I ignored it. But I've been hearing from more and more people that it's actually really good. It's pretty good. And now I'm struggling with whether I should get on board with it and give it a try. It's pretty good. And I believe it's set out in Montana. And and the first episode, I was like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Are you trying to be like a little Yellowstone? Like, like, <laughs> is this like a tamed out? But um, I like it. it's got its twists and turns and it's got its like... <gasps> And it's what? So, yeah, I like it. All right. I'll keep my yeah. eyes open for it. Okay. Yeah. What's next? All righty. This is from James Argenta. At the end of WandaVision, Wanda rewrites, rewrites MCU so mutants can have their... So since mutants yeah, that's... can have their since beginning. This could lead to an anthology show showing mutant in previous MCU events, Avengers films, Civil War, etc., or do a World War II movie with Captain America and Canada Wolverine. Yeah, I, I mean, this is going, there's a popular theory right now that the events of WandaVision are going to be how Kevin Feige introduces mutants into the universe. I still really don't think that. Now, of course, it is possible. And, and I, I'm totally open that in two weeks after episode eight, we may find out that's exactly what they're doing. Okay. But as of right now, I really don't think that is. I still believe Kevin Feige is going to stay totally true to what he said. When Fox got taken over by Disney, this is three years ago, he said, when asked about, when are you going to bring in the X-Men and the mutants right away? He said, listen, as of right now, I've got the next five years planned out. We're going to do that five-year plan, and then we will get into Fantastic Four and Mutants and X-Men. And that's now only two years away. And, and he's already mentioned, by the way, in two years, we got the Fantastic Four movie coming in two years. So I really, be I still believe him. And, and here's the funny thing. Ever since the Fox takeover, whenever there's been a new MCU thing, every single movie, every single everything, the whole fan base is, this is the one they're going to introduce mutants. And then, of course, they don't. And then the next movie comes. This is where they're going to introduce mutants. And then they don't. And then Infinity War comes around. The snap is going to change humanity in the mutation. And that's going to start mutants. And then, of course, it didn't. And then the events of Endgame. Hulk unsnapping is what's <laughs> going to cause the ripple and make every like all the mutants appear. And obviously, they didn't. Yeah. And it keeps time after time after time after time after time after time. It keeps coming back to, listen, Kevin Feige said five years. So why don't we just believe him? Why, why don't we just believe him? Now, I say all that in two weeks at the end of episode eight, we kind of want to say, <laughs> da, da, da. let's yeah. have a world of mutants, kind of like the opposite of House of M. Instead of no more mutants, she says, let's have mutants and boom, there are mutants everywhere. And there you go. Maybe that happens. Maybe it won't. Right now, I still don't think it will, but we'll keep our eyes open for it. All right. What's next? All right. From Paul Ed, MCU Theory. I think we're getting a crisis on infinite earth scenario. The snap started the collapse of timelines. This is why we have started to get characters from different universes. This is how you can get Deadpool into the MCU. Well, remember, as of right now, we don't have characters from different universes. Like there's rumors that we're going to get Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3, but Tom Holland just said they're not. So, I mean, may, I still think they will, but whatever. But as of right now, we still haven't. And as far as Evan Peters, <laughs> that ain't Pietro. I'm just telling you, that's not Pietro. It's certainly not the Pietro from the Fox films, because number one, he's expressing and talking about his memories from the Avengers universe. 
as being that guy. But I don't even think he's the Aaron Taylor Johnson Quicksilver either. The way he's prodding and poking Wanda and all that kind of stuff. So uh, tell me, um, how did you do it? And all these kind of, oh, no, what you're doing here isn't wrong. It's great. I'm impressed. Blah, blah. He's like the little devil sitting on her shoulder. I'm telling you, it's an imposter. But maybe I'm wrong about that, too. So right now, I don't even think we started having. I believe that what will happen in Doctor Strange 2, and I base this on nothing. I have nothing to base this on other than my own speculation. I believe Doctor Strange 2 will end with all multiverse stop stuff being cut off and ended. I think they introduced these things of alternate timelines and realities and stuff like that with the, the Avengers going back in time. But whenever they do, they create new realities whenever they do. I believe that's going to get a little bit out of control. And, and Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is going to be about him. This is a threat to everything. It's got to be stopped. And Wanda could become one of the crux issues of it all. So there's that too. So very well could be. I don't think that's how Deadpool can show up any way he wants. They don't even have to say Deadpool's a mutant if they don't want. They can just say he's a guy who's got those powers. By the way, I still think there's a 5% chance Ryan Reynolds shows up in WandaVision. I still believe like 5%. That means 95%. Don't give my hopes up. Think about it. The thing about WandaVision is this. WandaVision is about breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. We are in a sitcom, everybody. We, even the kids are turning to the cameras like Malcolm in the Middle. You know, mom and dad haven't been fighting lately. That was, was the best. Wasn't that funny? That was the best. So my wife loved that part. Loved it. So they are, they're breaking the fourth wall. Who is the most famous all-time fourth wall breaker? It's Deadpool. It's Wade. Another good up. Canadian character, by the way, from Saskatchewan, Canada. So it's Wade. Wade, I mean, right? So again... I don't really think he's going to show up. I'm just saying, I think there's a 5% chance. Like Hawkeye. Yeah, well, Don't give me hope. I think like 40. I think there's a chance like 40, 50%. No, I'm saying that moment where he said, don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. That's what I'm telling you. Deadpool would fit right in here. I think it would fit right in. Again, why I don't hold anything in my hands when I watch WandaVision. If Ryan Reynolds shows up, that phone is going through the TV, man. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. All right, what's next? All right, this is from Ken. Hey, John, I don't agree with you on the Carano firing, but you know what I do agree with you on? Your comment to having these conversations intelligently and respectfully. That's rare today. So even though we don't agree, I want to send you my support. Hey, Ken, I appreciate that. And listen, dude, you just nailed it. I mean, like, I, I hope the way like I'm laying it, I say, listen, I probably wouldn't have fired her. I respect that you may have a different opinion. I don't think we should oversimplify the situation. This is a situation of, hey, they had this, and I think it's reasonable that they did. But yeah, I could have, I, I was tempted to shy away from the conversation because I try to avoid anything political on my show. I'm not, I'm not adverse to getting involved in political issues, but I do that on my own social media channels. I don't do that on the show because here on my show, my whole theory is this. We are all film fans. I don't care what walk of life you come from. We're all film fans here. So I was tempted to avoid the topic of Gina Carano, but the fact of the matter is it's very much a a show issue. We are losing a character from one of the most beloved shows right now, and it's something we had to talk about. And so I lay out my point of view. And by the way, I don't expect, listen, I always say this in my show. There are two things that are very much not my job. Number one, it is not my job to say things that you agree with. That That's not my job. There are other podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers who know their audience and they very specifically want to make sure they always say things their audience agrees with. Um, 
it's not my job. Sometimes some of my friends wish it was my job, but it's not. It's not my job to say things people agree with. It's my job to give you my opinion. The second thing that is not my job is it is not my job to convince you to agree with me. That's not my job. My job is to give my opinion on a situation and hopefully give it in such a way that two things happen. Number one, you have an understanding about why I feel the way I do. doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but at least you can walk away from it. And I've done a good enough job explaining why I believe what I believe and how I feel, uh, why I feel the way I feel that you're able to walk away saying, I, I don't agree with what Campia said about that, but I understand why he does. I understand his position. The second thing that I hope to accomplish is that the way I explain my point of view hopefully helps you better sharpen your opinion, whether it's the opposite opinion. See, I've had people say to me before, you know, John, I totally disagree with you about this. And the way you explained it made me really understand why I disagree with you. And I'm like, perfect. That is my job. My job is to help you understand why I think what I think, but also hopefully do it in such a way that you better have a sharper focus on why you think what you think whether it's the same as mine or different than mine. And so I really love it, Ken, when um, when we have our audiences who, 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 like yourself, understand that and engage with that. And we're able to have these different points of view and opinions. Like, should they have fired or should they not? I think we need to understand context and blah, blah, blah. And we can still end up on different points of view. But if you understand why I feel the way I feel and you are more firm in understanding why you feel the way you feel, then at the end of the day, that's a win for all of us. So that's my point of view. Thank you so much for sending that, Ken. That was really cool of you. All right. What's next? All right. From Alan Haywood. The vision has died in the comics. The Many fir- times, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> the first was in Avengers West Coast issues 47 through 50, where he was disassembled and later rebuilt. I feel this is where we will be seeing in WandaVision or a MCU version of it. He switched bodies with an alternate reality. In Avengers issue 360, part of a long story arc, the evil version controlling his original body was destroyed. He was later destroyed again by She-Hulk in Avengers disassembled story arc. Which, by the way, was Wanda's kind of Wanda was responsible for in that one. Um, Yeah, listen. So here's my point of view on, on Vision right now. And I said this right from episodes one and two. And I believe episode six has really cemented my opinion, although I could be totally wrong. It's this. Vision in the show is not Vision. That's not Vision. Vision's dead. And they keep referencing that. I think Wanda created a new incarnation of Vision out of the old Vision body parts. Um, and that is why when he's arguing with her, he says, I don't even remember my life before Westview. That's because that's when your life started, you entity thing, you. That's when your life started. That's why when he's talking to Agnes and she says, your vision of the of the Avengers, you're here to help us. Yes, I'm here to help you. I am vision. But what are Avengers? It's, it's not just a mind wipe. It's because this being that looks like vision, sounds like vision, and thinks he's vision only came into existence once the Westview thing started. I often make the comparison. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Ben Riley storyline in Spider-Man. So basically, there is a story in Spider-Man this was going back 15, 20 years ago, where turns out Peter Parker wasn't actually Peter Parker. It turns out that actually years earlier, the real Peter Parker got swapped out with a clone. Okay. And the clone for years, 
thought he was Peter Parker, was doing Spider-Man things. But it turns oh. out he was a clone and the real Peter Parker comes back. And I think they call it, I think they call it the clone saga. I think that's what really? they call it. Anyway, so at the when it was all said and done at the end, he goes off on his own. He becomes a new character called the Scarlet Spider. And oh. he goes by the name of uh, Ben Riley, Ben after Uncle Ben. And I can't remember what Riley was after, but I think this is a situation like that. This vision mm. is like Ben Riley was. He thinks he's Spider-Man. Vision, th- he thinks he's Vision. He has all the memories of Vision only up to the beginning of Westview. Mm-hmm. He has the personality of Vision. He's even inside the dome, able to mimic the powers of Vision. Yeah. But what happens when that Vision tries to leave the fantasy land? That is, I was on edge when he was walking through. Oh my God, I was yeah. on edge. And But you know what's weird is he, he's got the stone. If I remember correctly, he's got the stone. Or something Wanda, that looks like the stone. Or something that looks like the stone. And that stone is like gone, gone. <laughs> but it, it brought, when he said that to her, when he said, um, I, I don't remember my life before, it originally, it uh, immediately brought me back to Ultron when he first came out in Tony's like living room. And they're like, what are you? And he's like, I don't know if I'm a monster. Maybe I am. Like that attitude is kind of how I feel like he is with Wanda. He's like, yeah, I, I don't remember, but I'm your husband. Hey, honey. Cause he just goes back. It, it's that same kind of that same deja vu of like, Hey, wait a minute. Okay. So uh, I need to know your position on something. Okay. What is your position on robo necrophilia? Because this is dead vision. And in episode two, she had sex with that vision. <laughs> Homegirl was like, so, let's put these bits together. Yeah, everything's all Never oh, mind girl. that you're the, the reincarnated, Child. reanimated body of my former husband. I am hoping this is a hologram situation <laughs> because, girl, like, I get you're going through it like we all are. But please, homegirl, please, let's stay out of the graveyard. No, let's okay. not do that. Let's stay. That's let's the stay t-shirt. above ground, homegirl. Let's stay that's above That's a t-shirt ground. we got to get made. Let's just stay out of the stay graveyard. Up, stay out of the graveyard, I like that. girl. It's like, uh, it's like, don't text when you're drunk. Yeah, don't. don't don't, don't go digging in graveyards when you're missing your ex, man. Like, come on. Yeah, come bad, on. bad move. All right, what's next? This is from Frankie Gouge. FYI, Tim Mann is available free through Prime using IMBD, using IMDB TV channel. Okay, you, they probably meant to write Tin Man. I think somebody's writing mm. in about, I think that is another Wizard of Oz incarnation that somebody was talking, because we were talking about their remaking Wizard of Oz and... Uh, somebody brought up Tin Man. I'm like, you know, I don't think I ever saw Tin Man. And so thank you, Frankie, for that point. I'm actually going to go and look for that um, because I am curious. Hey, if it's some other story about Wizard of Oz, I do want to see it. Thank you for pointing me in that direction, man. All right. What's next? This is from Alan Haywood. He says, hello again, John. I believe the future of the Marvel phases will be dealing with the Ten Rings. Ah. That's why we have the real Mandarin in Shang-Chi. I also believe that the Mandarin will be full phase villain. Somebody mentioned an old villain returns. That's, you know, listen, that is true. We finally got, now, if you guys remember, so Ben Kingsley, uh, forgive me, Sir Ben Kingsley, uh, who played the Mandarin in, uh, or the so-called Mandarin, in Iron Man 3, which I get a lot of people were pissed at because they considered a bait and switch. He told us we were getting the Mandarin character in terms of his, I actually thought it was pretty funny, but I understand why people felt like they were bait and switched. I get it. But so what happens though is, is there is, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There is a Marvel short film they did. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Marvel short. 
of that Ben Kingsley character in prison. And he's in prison. And all of a sudden there's, and he's the actor character. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a break in at the prison and they bust him out. And it turns out it was the real Mandarin who busted. Now we don't see the real Mandarin, but it's his henchman. It's like, yeah, there is a real Mandarin and he's pissed that you impersonated him. And we never see the real Mandarin, but that was the first time Marvel introduced to us the fact that there is a real Mandarin out there. And now we're getting that Mandarin in Shang-Chi. By the way, starring good Canadian kid Simu Liu from Kim's Convenience. I'm so excited. Huge fan of Kim's Convenience. You are? Huge fan of Kim's Convenience. I love Kim's Convenience. It's like one of my favorite shows on TV right now. I love it. Love Uh. his character. Okay, love the see card. you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, I cannot okay, wait to see, see you. Have you noticed in the new season? I don't know if you started watching the new season, but in the new season that just started airing, uh, Simu Liu isn't in the show anymore. He's he decided to apparently in between seasons, the character decided to go to college in California. So the only time he's in the show, oh, I have not, is when he's yet. talking to people over Skype. Really, that's the only time you see him in the show is when he's talking to people over Skype. So like having, what's the name of his girlfriend again? The manager of the car store. The girl that was singing in the car. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, so he's like, my favorite. Like like one of the opening, I love that character. <laughs> like, I think the first episode back is like kind of revolves around oh, them. The two of them trying to find time to have cyber sex. She's like in the, in the office. And I've got to see people, her. Oh my God, it's so funny. It's so good. So what were we talking girl. about? Mandarin. What yes. were we talking about? I have to see this short film. Oh yeah, you got, there are a couple of, actually they did a couple of short there was one about that there was also another one where it was uh two side characters in marvel meeting in a diner and they're talking about uh what is the, the name of abomination is it blonsky or blansky anyway abomination from the incredible hulk movie that hulk had to fight and it's the first oh. one they revealed yeah he's still alive and he's still in prison on the uh the name of the prison they have in the middle of the ocean they still, they're still holding him there. Oh, and it's like, oh, what? someday they got to bring Abomination back. They got to bring Abomination Where can back. one see such short films? I think, look, look them up on YouTube. I'm willing to bet you can find them on YouTube. Now, I'm going to be smoking with my phone because I, I need see, to see this. Did you ever see the short of when Thor gets a roommate? Tell me you've seen that one. Oh my what God. What access do you have? Okay, you know, I can tell you what, we're done. I, I need, to, oh my when gosh. When we're done today, we're going to sit down for a couple of minutes. We're going to look these up. I need I to show these. you these. I Because these, these Thor ones with Chris Hemsworth are gold. They're absolute gold. Okay. I have uh, anyway, to see these. What were we talking about? Oh yeah. I don't think, no, I do not think Mandarin is going to be the next Thanos level villain for all the MCU, the the whole overarching villain. I don't think he's going to be that. I think he's going to be specific to Shang-Chi, but who knows? Maybe the overarching villain will be Wanda. Maybe it'll be other people are saying Nightmare. Other Now you're saying uh, Mandarin. Can't be all of them. Or it might be some, a lot. Some people think it's going to be Kang, who's coming up in Ant-Man 3. Um, I mean, some people think it might be Galactus. They're going to wait till Fantastic Four comes out and they're going to introduce the next big Avengers level threat as being Galactus. Hopefully it won't be a giant poo cloud in the sky like he was before. Um, a lot of possibilities. A lot of possibilities. All right. What's next? I can't get poo cloud in the, this guy out of my head now. All right. Next is Adamantium Scar. Here's a curveball for you. Maybe the main villain in WandaVision is Mojo from the X-Men. Nice way to add mutants and fits in nicely with the show's environment. Listen, Adamantium, I've heard a number of people throwing out Mojo. I actually, in the live chats for the um, 
the uh, WandaVision spoiler discussion. By the way, the companion, the part two of the WandaVision spoiler discussion video will come tomorrow. So keep your eyes open for that. But I saw in the live chat of that, of doing that spoiler discussion, a lot of people saying Mojo. Uh, again, I don't think so. I don't think they're right now. They're in the phase of bringing in X-Men characters. I do not think they're introducing mutants at this point. Uh, again, that opinion could change after episode seven and eight. But right now, I don't think that's the cha- that's the thing. And Mojo is just too far out there. It's There's no connection to Wanda at this point. There's no connection to anything going on in the story. There's been no inference to it at all. So to me, it's a little bit of a stretch. But hey, this is the MCU. Anything is possible. All right, what's next? This is from Josh Janes. Hey, John, with the X-Men's return to Marvel, who do you think you will see in the role of Wolverine? I personally think Marvel needs to take a good look at Wes Chatham, who plays Amos in The Expanse. I think he would be perfect for the role. Again, Josh, my answer to that question is always, I don't care. Um, uh, the Which X actor should play X role? I, I never care because you're saying he'd be perfect in the role, but you don't know the role, right? Again, we go into this. We've had three movie versions of Joker. We've had, uh, sorry, four. We've had uh, Heath's, we had Jack's, we had Jared's, and we had Joaquin's. All four of those Jokers are completely unique. They're very different from each other. Heath obviously won an Academy Award for his Joker, but would he have been a good, uh, would he have been the right fit to play the Joker that Jared Leto had to play? I don't know that he that Heath Ledger would have been a good fit for that Joker. I don't even think Heath Ledger would have been a good fit for the Joker that Joaquin Phoenix played. I don't think he's a good fit for that. He was perfect for the Joker that he played. And that's the big problem. When we talk about this actor would be perfect for this role, except you don't know what that role is actually going to be like. Uh, just like when, when Joaquin's Joker came out, we didn't know what that Joker was going to be like, and he's totally unlike any of the other Jokers we had. Jared Leto's Joker was totally unlike the other Jokers. Jack's Joker was totally unlike all the other Jokers. So when we say, hey, the guy who played Amos in The Expanse, and I love him in The Expanse, but we say he'd be perfect to play Wolverine. Well, you mean he's perfect to play the Wolverine you have in your head. And the Wolverine they actually write for this movie may be very different, like maybe very true Wolverine, but very different from the way you're imagining him. Just like all four of those Jokers were very true Joker, but very different and unique Jokers. And so it's not a one size fits all. So, hey, listen, I think this guy is great. I would love to see him. So if they announced he was gonna be Wolverine, fantastic. But do I think he's the guy to play Wolverine? Well, since I have no idea what the next Wolverine is gonna be like, I can't say. So that's why I always say, I don't care. I'll just, as long as you cast a good actor, then I'm all for it. I'll leave it up to the director and the casting agents to decide if that particular actor is a good fit. Just tell me it's a talented person and that's all I need to know. All right, what's next? All right, this is from Mando's wife. Aw, I hate to say it, but I would have fired Gina too. (laughs) Disney's brand is inclusion. I remember growing up with It's a Small World After All. Disney is that magic magic kingdom where we can all belong gina's words continuously attack that brand and that image well i mean and that's one of the things that a lot of people fail to understand when you are an entity like disney brand is everything and you've got to protect the brand i mean the nfl is always saying protect the shield and protecting the shield means the nfl logo the shield right they're saying you got to protect the shield because this is where we all make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars you got to protect the shield 
when you're a company like Disney or if you're a company like Coca-Cola or if you're a company like whatever, you have to defend your brand. And if you have somebody who is associated with you constantly going off brand, that's it. Listen, if I worked for Gibson Guitars and I was constantly getting on social media saying, guitars suck. Guitars are for losers. Well, of course, I'm totally, I'm, it's fair for me to have that opinion if I want, but <laughs> Gibbs is going to say you can't work with us if you're going to do that, because while you have the right to say that and that's how you feel about guitars, that's cool, but we're a guitar company. So it's kind of damaging to us as a brand to have somebody associated with us out there saying guitars suck, so we can't work with you anymore, right? And so, yeah, I, so I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. All right. What's next? Also from Mando's wife, do you think Pedro is leaving or has been fired from The Mandalorian as well? No, listen, this is the funny thing. Dwayne The Rock Johnson can have 17 movies in development all at the same time and shoot five of them in the same year. And everybody knows that's fine. Believe me, on something as small as like eight episode seasons, Pedro Pascal can do both Last of Us and he can do Mandalorian and he can probably shoot a movie or two. I'm not kidding. He can probably shoot another movie or two all in the same year. So no, there's not going to be any problem there or any conflict there. All right. What's next? Not Sam Wilson says, can't tell you how disappointed I am in the Gina C situation. I'm a big fan of the Cara Dune character, but I feel like she put Disney in a no-win situation. She did what we call in my industry a self-termination. An employee breaks company policy to the point that there is no other option but to fire them. She didn't need to apologize or take anything back. Just stop being inflammatory. Clearly. 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 Uh, she wanted to be uh, a social media martyr. She forced Disney's hand. This was her choice. And and yeah, it, 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 it was. I mean, that, you know what? There is a... There's a, a famous event that happened in the world of wrestling. And clearly, Kimberly, you are a massive professional wrestling fan. I can just tell. I'm like, so big in that. You yeah. just need your six pack of beer on Monday night watching Raw and you're all set. I can just tell. But yes. what's wrong again? No, just one of the most famous incidents that ever infamous incidents that ever happened in the world of professional wrestling was what is known infamously as the Montreal screw job. And basically what happened was Brett the Hitman Hart was going to be leaving the company and he was heavyweight champion and he was to have this big match against Shawn Michaels and he was supposed to win the match. That was the understanding. He wins the match. Instead, what happened was at some point in the match, Shawn Michaels is supposed to put Bret Hart in a move, right? And Bret Hart is later supposed to get out of the move. But Shawn Michaels puts him in the move and the referee who was in on it goes, oh, oh, he tapped out. He tapped out. End of the match. And so, and they gave the match to Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels, who was also in on it and knew this was happening. And meanwhile, Bret Hart is in the ring going, what just happened? And he was pissed. And at ringside, he went after Vince McMahon and he was pissed. And he was like, all this kind of stuff. Apparently he even went backstage and punched Vince Vince, Vince McMahon backstage. And it's called the Montreal Screwjob. They screwed Bret Hart. Oh, wow. Now, what does this have to do with Gina Carano? In a documentary discussing the Montreal Screwjob, or at least in an interview later discussing the Montreal uh, Screwjob, an interviewer is asking Vince McMahon, of course, the owner of the WWE, who orchestrated the whole thing. He laid out his point of view on it, said, look, look, basically, Brett gave us no choice. We didn't, he was kind of insisting that we do it a certain way. He wasn't listening to reason. So all we had, and he was about to leave the company. 
All we had left was to say, okay, Brett, we'll do it that way. But the rest of us knew we were going to do it a different way. I'm not saying I agree with Vince McMahon. And then Vince McMahon said these immortal words that are very famous in wrestling circles. I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. In that situation, those words echo very true of, of, at least from the way I ascertained the whole situation, Disney didn't screw Gina. Gina screwed Gina. And, and that's just the way it is. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was in some ways a Montreal screw job, but at the same time, you know, I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. Disney didn't screw Gina. Gina screwed Gina. Uh, it, it is what it is. She was given chance after chance after chance after chance, decided to keep breaking company policy, and then she was gone. Again, you do that in the NBA, you're going to be gone. You do that in the uh, NHL, you're going to be gone. You do that in, certain, in different industries, you're going to be gone, and that's kind of the way it worked out. All right, what is next? This is from Questioner. I do see a double standard from Disney. You say Gina has given several chances, but her tweets were that outrageous. Yes, she sort of mocked, masked. Yes, she said we need to clean up elections, did not say it was stolen. And yes, she made a bad decision. Yes, she made bad comparisons of conservatives to Jews. All were varying degrees of bad. Pedro Pascal directly compared 74 million plus Trump voters to Nazis and Confederates, directly compared the migrant children kept in cages to Jews who were murdered and burned alive by the Holocaust. Zero outrage. Were her tweets bad? Yes. I see far more outlandish tweets from celebrities daily. Twitter has left leaning user base, so outrage over conservatives is always much more prominent and top trend. Okay. So again, though, here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you think what Gina Carano tweeted was outrageous or not. That's not the issue. That's not the point. It doesn't matter whether you think they were outrageous or not. The point is, Disney said, don't do it. If you want to work here, don't do it. And it doesn't matter what it was. It doesn't matter if it was tweets about the Holocaust. It doesn't matter if it was the color of shoes that she wore. It doesn't matter if she decided to wear t-shirts with a moonbeam on the t-shirt. It doesn't matter if she decided to have a purple streak put into her hair. It doesn't matter what it was. All that matters was the company had a policy. She broke it. They talked to her reps and said, please don't do that again. Then she broke it again. And then they talked to her again. Then she broke it a third time and they still didn't fire her. The bottom line is I've heard too many people try to defend Gina Carano saying what she did wasn't really all that bad. What they are missing here is that's not the point. It's not the point whether or not you think it's all that bad. Listen, an, an NHL player who thinks they just got cost the game because the ref blew a call, is it all that bad for him to get in front of the camera and say, the ref blew the call? No, that's actually not that bad. That's not outrageous. But it is against the policy of the NHL. And if you want that privileged position of money and fame that millions of others only dream they can ever achieve, then you've got to follow their rules. And if you break their rules, they're going to fine you a lot of money. And if you continue to break their rules, they're going to suspend you. And then if you continue to break their rules, they're just going to suspend you indefinitely and say you're gone. It's just that simple. 
And again, as far as the um, as far as the Pedro Pascal thing, do you see him doing that anymore? Nope. And there's a reason you don't see him doing it anymore. So uh, again, I, I I get it. I understand that there is a point of view that what Gina said maybe was really not all that bad. By the way, I did a video in November, if you remember. I did a video back in November after she said a bunch of her stupid tweets. But even after them, and where somebody asked me the question, should they fire her? And I said, you know what? No, I don't agree with her. Personally, I think some of the things she said is pretty idiotic. But I wouldn't fire her. And I don't think they will fire her. And they didn't. They didn't. After all those things, they never fired her. They kept giving her a chance and then another chance. But the bottom line is this. It does not matter if you think they were all that bad or not. That's not the point. It doesn't matter if you think red shoes are perfectly fine. That's not the point. If there's a company that says in our company, in our building, you don't wear red shoes. You may think that's ridiculous, and I would agree with you that's ridiculous, but it doesn't matter if you think it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if I think it's ridiculous. If they made it clear to their employees, if they made it clear to them in our building, as long as you're working with us, you don't wear red shoes. And if you want to wear if you want to wear red shoes, you got to go somewhere else. Then that's it. And if knowing that were the consequences, and you decided to do it anyway, I'm sorry, you got no one else to blame but yourself. Disney didn't screw Gina. Gina screwed Gina. It's just that simple. And again, too many people are trying to break this down to either it's an issue of free speech. Clearly, it's not an issue of free speech. And then a lot of people try to break it down. Well, what she did wasn't really that bad. And again, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter if I agree with Disney's policies or not. The fact is, they're Disney's policies. It's their company. They can say, this: these are our values. This is what we represent. And if you're going to work with us, you can't get online and say massively controversial things all the time. Maybe a slip will give you a break. Maybe you slip a second time. We still won't fire you for the second time. Maybe you slip a third time. We still won't fire you for the third time. But you do it a fourth time. Who do you have to blame? Who do you have to blame? You got just nobody but yourself to blame. And so anyway, that's kind of my, my take on that. That's just my, and I don't expect you to agree with me. But again, it's not an issue about whether or not to we adjudicate whether or not what she said was all that bad. The fact of the matter is she works for Disney who have a multi-billion dollar brand to defend and they have a policy. We don't want to be associated with these controversies, blah, blah, blah. And hey, if you slip one out, fine. We'll let your representatives know that, hey, please don't do that again. We're kind of not cool with that. You're putting us in a bad spot. And then if you did it again, and then you did it again, and then you did it again. Then some people want to bring out the Pedro Pascal situation. Guess what? You don't see him do that anymore, do you? And it's not just because Pedro Pascal woke up and said, I don't think I'm going to tweet that stuff anymore. No, 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 no. I am telling you, it's because Disney reached out to his reps. I said, listen, yeah, maybe calling half of our potential audience base Nazis. Not a good move. We'd like you to not do that, please. And he didn't do it anymore. So again, I just think we are, people are just, I think that there's a lot of people looking at the Gina Carano situation from the wrong perspective. This isn't a perspective of free speech. This isn't a perspective of, about what she did wasn't that bad or not. That's not what the issue is. Now, if you understand what the issue is and you still are on Gina Carano's side, that's fine. That, no, I have no problems with that. We can all have different points of view and I respect that. But we at least have to be talking about the same set of facts. 
And uh, to me, that's a set of facts. All right, man, I've spent way more time talking about the Gina Carano situation on today's show than I've wanted to. All right, anyway, what's next? All right, this is from Ben Rayner. Hey, John, wonder if they would just recast Cara Dune, especially if they have plans for that character. Also, Pietro theory, it was ATJ. Racing into Breach, then it changed him to Evan Peters. I don't know if that makes any sense, but a theory. Thanks for the show. You know what? That's not the worst theory. Because look, what happens to a lot of things when they come into the bubble? They change. They change. Now, we haven't seen people have their physical, literally their physical appearance change. Like yeah. when a Monica went in, she still looked like Monica. A little different, a little but different. still Monica. Mm-hmm. When Agent Franklin went crawling in in the tunnels, mm-hmm. he still liked a- Agent Franklin. Hard to tell because he was in the beekeeper outfit. But Aaron Taylor Johnson was dead. So what if he came in? Now, I've heard somebody else kind of give this theory. What if the essence of Aaron Taylor Johnson is pulled into that world and then mm. given corporeal form in the form of another individual who was already in there? Um, what if, you know, th- that's the idea. And so this Evan Peters is actually just another body. That's another thing. Another option that people have said is, what if this Pietro is Mephisto or okay. Nightmare yeah. or something, but like other things in the thing, he just can't make something out of nothing. He can't just make Aaron Taylor Johnson's body appear. Yeah. So he had to take over another person in Westview's body. And that, and that's Evan Peters is just another person in Westview. Now, the problem with that theory hmm. is as soon as the recast happens, they recast, the recast Pietro, what would they do? They would do what they did before. They immediately start going through the entire citizenship list of Westview and try to figure out who's and yeah. And they would say, "Oh, that is Bobby Milgrade. He is uh, a, a uh, what's what's a, a mechanic at the local car mm-hmm. shop in Westview." And they haven't done that. So I, I mean, I don't know. I what I didn't ask you. What is your theory right now? Who is this Evan Peters Pietro? Who do you think he is? You know, before I was like. I don't know a couple things, but as you were saying that something just got to me because I was thinking what character characters can shapeshift. I was like, okay, scrolls. What if yep. on the outside, because here's the thing, the Avengers, I know in some movies we're like, well, where was Thor? Where was so-and-so? And we get little answers like, well, she was here. He was off planet. Da, da, da. But what if on the outside, and this could lead into the new Nick Fury series. I don't know what, where they're going to go with it. What if somebody was with the scrolls and said, hey, if you take shape of her brother, maybe you could talk her out of her madness. And maybe a scroll took the shape of her original brother. So what if he's there to help? And to help. And he thought, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to pretend to be her brother. I'm going to, come on, sis, you don't want to do this. And when he came through, instead of turning back into a scroll... Whatever filter she's got on just said, da 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 doop, beep, boop, boop. Brother, uh-uh. No, I'm going to change you into this. I, I don't know. See, I'm here's, just saying. Here's I don't something know. that goes I don't along know. with that. This, this would connect those dots because when she starts saying, hey, remember when we were kids and we lived beside that other kid who had the skin condition? What was his name again? And Pietro says, you're testing me. But he didn't answer the question. Yeah. He never answered the question. So maybe, and, and, and then he says things that one is like, I don't remember that. And what does he say to her? Oh, you're probably just suppressing the trauma. 
And how well did we believe in Spider-Man Far From Home? At the end, we were like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't Nick. Are you kidding me? Right. I mean, so no, they know it's not just the face. They take on the personality. I don't I, I don't believe they take on consciousness, but they 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 have a way. Don't they take on the memories, too? Yeah, because remember, they had Carol Danvers in that machine, you know, searching right, through right, memories. Right, right, right. So, OK, so let's yes. put those thoughts. So. I put $10 why, on it right now. Why would we believe that the only people in the universe seeing the transmissions of the show yes. are just sword? What if are the Skrulls sword. see it and the Skrulls recognize this could become a problem for everybody? Mm-hmm. And they hear Wanda talk about her brother on the show and say mm-hmm. to her kids when her kids say, Mommy, do you have a brother? And she doesn't say, I did. She says, I do. I do. And then, so then the Skrulls go, Okay. We can't outgun her. Mm-hmm. Let's send somebody in. Um, oh my God, I just thought of something. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> Nothing so, in my hands. Thanks. Somebody else wrote into the show before. <laughs> okay. And said to me, John, when Pietro shows up uh-huh. in the sword base, the breach alarm was going off. Right? That oh, the same yeah. When Wanda was coming out of the barrier. Oh, yeah. That alarm was going off. It said, what if that was somebody going into the barrier? I thought, that's interesting. What if it was a scroll going, oh, my God, we got to stop this. We need to send somebody in. And that was a scroll going into the thing, yes. taking on the shape of somebody. Yes. And then going up to the door. Because remember, they care. And yes. here's the thing with her anger with Captain Marvel, Nick Fury cares you know, you know, her face in Endgame when it showed up that Nick Fury was also missing, you know, yes. Carol Danvers, she was hurt. They had a bond, yes. although I don't know that they communicated it the best in uh, the movie, but they had a really, really <laughs> strong bond and he still cares. And so, God, but he was dusted. I was going to say um, he could have been watching this whole time, but he's back too. But... He has friends in yes, high places. Yes, he does. And so he probably, he, I, I, I could tell you for sure what I feel in my soul is that he kept an eye on Rambo because he's like, I know Captain Marvel's gone. She really cares about this person. And if yeah. she cares about her, I care about her. Maria. And she's got a kid. She's, she died of cancer. I'm going to look out for this girl. I don't know whose sword is, but I'm Nick Fury. And, you know, I'm going to look out. Well, and he Maria. probably made a call, you know, on his pager and uh, <laughs> said, you know, come on, scrolls, I need help. Could be. It's endless. It's endless. Because Nick Fury always knows what's going on. He always. always knows, even if he's I got back one from the eye on the situation. Even if he only just got yes. undusted. Mm-hmm. All right. There's so many theories. So many theories. So many theories. Okay, let's keep on moving here. What's next up? Out of Order says, hey, John, if Wanda says no more, could the big cameo be one of the Eternals? One of the next big moves. Mm. Perhaps it's not an old Marvel hero, but a new one. Feige has been misleading us. The Eternals are here to fix whatever Wanda does. Here's here's the thing. I don't think so. And, and the reason I don't think so is because I think this is one of those situations where I believe Feige wants to introduce the Eternals in the Eternals. I think that's where he wants to introduce them. And I I don't think he wants to do them here. Not to mention it's out of step again with everything in the show. Deadpool, there's a natural connection there. Hawkeye, natural connection. He's the closest person in the world to Wanda, uh, living person in the world uh, to Wanda. 
Uh, there are certain characters that are naturally would fit in with the scenario, naturally fit in with the narrative, naturally fit in with the characters. And Eternal just suddenly showing up out of nowhere that that many people in the MCU audience don't even know what they are or who they are. It seems like a little out there. I mean, listen, it's not the craziest thing I've heard out of order, maybe, but I'm going to guess probably not. My guess is probably not an Eternal. All right, what's next? Calvin Severo Penho says, Wanda... No more suffering and proceeds to kill Vision, Billy and Tommy in order to save the people from Westview. Nope. Nope. Because I'll tell you what, it ain't going to be her that ends Vision. It ain't going to be her that ends her kids. Something is going to happen that takes Vision from her a third time. Something is going to happen that takes her kids from once again, go back to the house of M. It's not a direct connection. It can be very, very different, but just thematically, you go back to the House of M storyline. She didn't want to lose those imaginary kids. They weren't real and they were taken from her and it adds to the brokenness. And I think these are going to be the things that ultimately, again, I don't know this. I am speculating. I think these are going to be the things that takes Wanda from just being broken to going all the way over the edge. I, everything about this show feels like a supervillain origin story. And I think, yeah, it's it's going to be bad. I'm just telling you the show is going to end badly. It's just going to end badly. All right. What's next? All right. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to say T-Man, too, but I'm going to respect my fellow viewers. Testicle Man 2. The Return. The, All right. I'm going to tell you what this is about, just so you know, because you don't know return. about this. The Return. Here, here's what this is about. So Please explain. When when I will do, and you know this, when... I heard some testicle talk to, the other day. When I am trying to make up a movie, like say, I, I don't know, this. okay, well, let's say you got some movie, and I... And I you always come up with really funny yeah, random Yeah, like whether things. it's Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't know. Let's say you got a movie. And I, I don't know. We'll call it Testicle Man. Yes. Okay. Got yes. Testicle Man. I don't even want to know what his superpowers are. Yes. But we got <laughs> Testicle Man. Okay. And so I, I kind of went there. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that is what uh, Testicle Man 2, The Return, is talking. Your name. Anyway, right. so thank you for the title there. All right. All right. A lot of people talk about the cameo. Maybe it's not a well-known character from a past movie, but a well-known actor playing a new character. Bettany said he wanted to work with that actor, so it's not McKellen. They were together in Da Vinci Code. Again, they barely worked together in Da Vinci Code, so that's a little thing. So it could very well be that. And again, remember, we're making the mistake of thinking that the person that Elizabeth Olsen was talking about and the person Paul Bettany was talking about, and by the way, those these two comments were made at totally different times. Everybody's just assuming they must be talking about the same person. They may not be talking about the same character or person. Could be something totally different. So don't write that off just yet. Don't write it off just yet. But yes, it very well could be a big a big actor. Like uh, like uh, there's been some whispers that maybe Al Pacino. You know, Al Pacino's expressed has expressed an issue. Remember, we covered the story a couple of years ago. Al Pacino expressed a real interest in maybe being in an MCU movie, and maybe he pops up as something. It's possible, but again, let's not assume that the person Elizabeth Olsen was talking about and the person that Paul Bettany was talking about were one and the same because they may not be. May not be. We'll see. All right, what's next? This is from Calvin Severo Panho. John, I believe there is a way to bring some more X Men universe characters without 
being bring sloppy seconds um, by them being only inside the illusion and later vanishing before the series finale. Also, John, big fan from Brazil. Love the show. Thank you so much for that, Calvin. I really appreciate that. Again, though, again, follow, follow my logic here, which again, things could have changed. Things could have changed, but follow my logic. Kevin Feige said, which we've already covered three years ago, that listen, I'm not bringing in X-Men or Fantastic Four until I have my current plans done. And my current plan is going to be the next five years. I've got the next five years planned out. And after I'm done that plan, then we'll look at doing Fox. Now, that means Kevin Feige already had WandaVision planned out. And when he planned out WandaVision, Marvel did not have the rights to use any X-Men or use any X-Men characters. Remember that? Before Disney took over Fox, they didn't have the right to do that, which means this. Kevin Feige, prior to the Fox merger, wouldn't have the rights to say that in this WandaVision show I'm going to do, we're going to have X-Men characters show up. He wouldn't have been able to do that. So, Understanding that he said, I got the next five years planned out, which implies that he already had WandaVision planned out. And understanding that at that time, he wouldn't have even been allowed to put X-Men characters in it, even if he wanted to. That tells us that he planned out WandaVision without the inclusion of any X-Men characters. Now, of course, Kevin Feige is human, which means maybe he's changed his mind. Maybe a year and a half ago, he thought, you know what? Screw it. I wasn't going to do any mutants and X-Men until 2025. But you know what? I feel like I can and I want to now. And he could totally change his mind. Absolutely. But so far, he's been pretty consistent. And I don't see any reason to believe that he suddenly changed his mind. He could. It is possible. But yeah, at the time, he wouldn't have had the right to put them in there. And he did have WandaVision already planned. So I'm going to guess no, Calvin. I'm going to guess no. But let's keep our eyes open because, again, he's human. Maybe he changed his mind. All right, we just got time for a couple more here. What's next? All right, you will miss Burbank. I will. I like living in Burbank, <laughs> by the way. Okay. Assassination of Jesse James is my favorite film. Love that movie. And to me, the most underrated film ever. Absolutely no one talks about it. It's a masterpiece in acting and cinematography. Have you seen it? Fun fact, it's Brad Pitt's favorite film in his legendary filmography. The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is a marvelous film. It is not for everybody because it is a very slow moving movie, but it is powerful. And you've got uh, Casey Affleck. Uh, Brad Pitt, Jeremy Renner, uh, Jeremy Renner, um, and it's this iconic ending. Which, by the way, we'll talk about it in a second. This iconic ending about the shooting. It, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there is this. Let me see if I can find this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Let me look it up here quick. Okay, uh, uh, Yogi Bear. Hold on a second, Yogi Bear assassination of jesse james let me see if i can find this quick oh yes there it is okay so let me bring this up uh just ever so briefly but basically the the yogi bear and i'll bring this up on screen so you can see it uh there's this thing where they did with yogi and boo boo that totally reenacted the that epic scene in the assassination of jesse james where Yogi Bear looks up and he sees there's a wanted sign for him with a reward and Boo Boo's got the gun and it ends with Boo Boo killing Yogi for the reward. It is 
Hilarious. I remember seeing that. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that. It's real, but no, ab listen, absolutely right. The assassination of Jesse James with the coward Robert Ford um, is wonderful. And actually, there's a, there's a buddy of mine who was like one of the first friends I made in Hollywood. And he's only got, and he works in the film business. I, I won't say his name, but he works in the film business. He's a big player in the film business. And in his main living room, he's only got three movie posters hanging. And one of those movie posters is the assassination of Jesse James. It's an absolutely powerful movie. You haven't checked it out. You absolutely should. So good on you. You will miss Burbank uh, for bringing that up. And yes, if you haven't seen it, please take his advice and go and check that one out. All right. What is next? All right. Multiverse John Campia. <laughs> Hi, Rob and other John. <laughs> With Wanda, Baron Mordo, maybe Nightmare and possibly Mephisto. Do you think there's too many cooks in the kitchen for this overarching story? What if Nightmare and Mephisto are morphed into one character? Well, see, th th you just brought up a great point. A lot of times what we'll see is that a character will be done and in the in a movie version or something, and it's actually an amalgamation of a couple of different characters kind of put into one character. Let's be clear here. Nobody has said that Nightmare is going to be in here. Nobody said Mephisto is going to be in here. Nobody said Baron Mordo is going to be in here. Uh, at least talking about WandaVision. But as we get into Doctor Strange 2, I fully expect to see uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor as, as Baron Mordo again. Um, I mean, it's possible, too, that, that Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's connected with Doctor Strange, we know WandaVision will lead into Spider-Man 3, which then leads into Doctor Strange 2. So it's possible we see Mordo show up and maybe he's trying to kill Wanda because, you know, too many sorcerers. But I, but no, in the in the MCU as a whole, no, I don't think there's too many. Plus, we don't even know if Nightmare and Mephisto are going to be part of it. But all I know is this. Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, I think right now is in the top i'll say four i think chiwetel edgy four is in the top four greatest actors working today i really think he's that good and you guys know i've been a huge fan of his ever since i saw him in serenity ever since he played the operative in serenity i'm like who the hell is this guy because i had never heard of chiwetel edgy four before serenity and he played the operative i'm like who is this guy and how is he one of the greatest villains ever in 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 sci-fi history and I've just been a massive fan of his ever since. So uh, I would love to see him pop up there. I would love to see him pop up. All right. We got time for one more. What's our last question here today? Okay. From Calvin Severo Panho. With the Gino Carano firing, any chance Rangers of New Republic gets canceled? I hope not. I love the idea of the show. Hope they can get Cobb Vanth to lead. I don't believe Appa <laughs> is enough to lead the show or a new character with big game actor. Um, here's the thing. I, she, I, I don't think Cara Dune was going to be the main character of that show anyway. As a matter of fact, what we found out from Deadline is that Disney was actually planning on giving her her own show. They were planning on doing a Cara Dune show, according to Deadline. And that after all the tweets that came out in November, they didn't fire her, but they did pull her from getting her own show. So I had always thought Cara Dune was going to be a part of Rangers of the New Republic. And now that I know that they were at one point planning on giving Cara Dune her own show, I'm wondering if she's not going to be a part of that. At any rate, even if Cara Dune was supposed to be a part of Rangers of the New Republic, it was clearly going to be a... Um, What'd you call it? An ensemble show. It wasn't just going to be her. And so if that's the case, then yes, you can swap out one piece of the puzzle. If she was going to be in Rangers of the New Republic, that really sucks because I was I would have loved to have seen that character in there. But 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just one piece of an ensemble puzzle. You can take one piece out and put another piece in. And so, and by the way, we don't know it's going to be characters that we already know, right? Rangers of the New Republic can be totally all brand new characters. I mean, maybe Appa is going to be in there. That would be kind of cool. Maybe Cobb Vanth will be in there. Maybe. Uh, maybe it'll be other characters that we've met. Or it could be a whole new cast. Because other shows, like the Ahsoka Tano show, is going to be a character we've already met. So, I don't know, they could bounce it up. But if they was planning on having Cara Dune, they can actually take her out and just say, new character fills that spot. And if they really won't miss a beat, and they'll be fine. All right, guys, listen. There are still questions coming from James Germain, Dean Dillon, and a number of other people. Do not worry. We will get to your questions in another video, maybe on the John Campus Show, maybe another companion video coming up here uh, very soon. But for now, that will do it for us for now, guys. Thanks so much for taking some time to check out this companion video. Awfully glad that you did. And I want to give a very special thank you to Kimberly. Uh, Kimberly, thank you so much for being here. This Thanks was for having great. me. Great. You this are delightful. This is awesome. This is so awesome. Um, hey, listen, in the meantime, where can people follow you on social media if they'd like to? Sure. My uh, Instagram is wasgoodkimberly. All right. Actually, I saw your Instagram page. Yeah. Yes, I did. That was very cool. It's very positive. And uh, guys, I, I promise I won't say anything. <laughs> please, nothing about comparing anybody to Nazis or the Holocaust, please. That would be great. Um, I want to say thank you to all you guys who sent in the questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here involved with the show, thank you guys very, very much for that. Guys, remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.